see somebody else every time we have a guest on they, that person's bobbing their head to our intro they love our intro what's going on everybody welcome to the bcsn sports wrap right here on the black college sports network brian fulford is out on assignment this weekend he's enjoying his family reunion nothing can we get it so family reunion <laughs> okay so it takes two to replace one. Joining me today, though, the sound of the swag. That would be one, Mr. Charles Edmund, my brother Charles. How you doing? Good evening, guys. It's a pleasure to be on it. I just talked with Brad Fulford. He's in the rolling hills of North Carolina, somewhere in North Carolina. Talked with him just a few minutes ago. So he's, you're right, he's enjoying his, his, his family outing. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And also joining us. Coach Work Sports, as he likes to call himself, none other <laughs> than the Pride, Aggie Pride, North Carolina AT grad. JB Walker, what's going on, Jay? Nothing much, fellas. Happy to be on uh, and definitely representing Aggie Pride. We're going we're gonna to talk about, about this a little bit because I got a gripe with a few people on social media, man. I got We got, we got to talk about it. Well, hell, let's just start right there, Jamie. Let's, let's just, hey, let's get this show fired up and ready to go. Listen, I, I know in, in, in our, our show lineup, um, we, we're going to be talking about band competitions. And, and um, you know, so let's save it for a little bit later because uh, I, I think some people feel as if the Aggie should not be included um, in, in, in this new band competition because they are no longer in the HBCU conference. So uh, I, I want to get some opinions on this um, just because, uh, you know, there's some people that believe that uh, we lost our HBCU status because we are not in the HBCU conference. And I want to see the justifications behind it. And if you got something that you want to say about that, please put it in the chat. I just got, I'm, I got one question on that, Jamie. Wait, I got a couple questions. Are y'all at 1890 school? Land grant school? Yes, we are. Yes, we are. That means you're at HBCU. By definition, <laughs> you are at HBCU if you're at 1890 school. That that's that's those land grant institutions like Florida, Florida AM, Alabama, AM. Uh, I believe Valley is the one in your state. Am I correct with that, Charles? Yeah, Alcorn is the land grant. Oh, Alcorn is the land grant. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. 
you know, Alcorn, Southern, uh, Prairie View, uh, I believe Pine Bluffs and Land Grant uh, Institution, Lincoln and Missouri. Uh, I could go, I could go on and on, but those are uh, specific institutions created by the government by the Act, the 1890 Act, land grant institutions, which means that these schools were originally agricultural schools, in addition to teachers' colleges, as they have all become. Let, let me let me get out my history lesson, y'all. Hey, what I need everybody to do right now: go hit that thumbs up button and share this podcast with a friend. Also, remember, go download the BCSN app available on Google Play and the Apple App Store. And if you missed this or you want to share the audio version of this, hey, you can catch us on your favorite podcast streaming service. Just search the BCSN Pod Zone, where not only will you find this podcast, Dr. Kavir's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab, the Carlos Brown Show, and everything else that we do right here on the Black College Sports Network. We got another Brave Talk that's going to drop on the pod zone coming up anytime soon, Charles. Um, Yes. Uh, some of my uh, SWAC Media Day interviews, as a matter of fact, I'm kind of slow in getting those caught up and produced and put, put in the portal, but uh, definitely have a bunch of those. Talk with most of the coaches and, uh, and the commissioner as well. So looking forward to, to bringing those to you. Great, 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 great. So with that, fellas, let's let's get this show started. And I'd like to start this off with uh, with some coaching news. Let's start, let's start off away from football, everybody. I hope I hope we can do it like that today. Y'all y'all want y'all want to start with football to get all the non-football stuff out the way and then stay with football. Yeah, I think we can start with the non-football stuff and then do a deep dive in, into the football stuff. Good, good, good. All right. So what we are going to do with that is there were a couple coaching announcements that were made this week. In case you missed it, because everybody was watching There's so much football. Let's start off with the one that actually came out on Swack Media Day. So you know this one got lost in, in the shuffle. You know something, fellas? I just realize it. Not one, but both of our alma maters. Got two new, got new women's head coaches. Interesting. Anyway, Shantae Webster has been named the new head coach of the women's basketball program at Tuskegee University. Uh, Director Reginald uh, Ruffin announced on Wednesday. Excuse me, this was the day after the SWAC media day. The goal of this department is to always continue to be at the standard that has been set, set Ruffin stated. In the hiring of Coach Webster, we believe that Tuskegee's women's basketball will again have a coach that can carry the recent momentum along with along with maintain the duty to educate, dominate, and graduate our student athlete. Webster comes to Tuskegee after serving the pre three previous seasons as the head coach at Livingstone College. While with the Blue Bears, she led them to the CIAA tournament semifinals in 21-22 after inheriting a rebuilding program. Prior to Livingstone, she spent over a decade at Virginia State. During her tenure, the Trojans won five regular season division championships in the CIAA, a 2015 CIAA championship, four NCAA tournament appearance. 
VSU also captured 200 wins with Webster on the bench, along with the staff being responsible for more than 40 players achieving all-conference recognition. League Player of the Year at Purdue's the first ever VSU HBCU CIAA Player of the Year and Academic All-Americans. Moving on to my first alma mater, that being Florida, Florida Agriculture and Mechanical University, Florida's Florida Annual Vice President and Athletics, Director of Athletics, Tiffany Dawn Sykes, named Bridget Gordon as a women's basketball coach, and this was announced on Friday. I am thrilled to welcome Bridget Gordon as the next head coach of Fairview's Women's Basketball Society. She is well-connected and well-respected in the basketball community. Her experience as an athlete and coach, along with her commitment to excellence, to academic excellence and integrity, make her the perfect fit for the nation's number one public HBCU. Her quote, not mine, Jamie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, let's no see. offense taken. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she was a former, ten- another former Tennessee lady volunteer, played under Pat Summit, and she was a 2007 Women's Basketball Hall of Fame in- inductee. Let's see, she attended, uh, excuse me. She was a 2007 inductee into the Hall of Fame. She attended the University of Tennessee from 85 to 89. During that span, Gordon went on to win, went to four consecutive Final Fours, two national championships, that was 87 and 89, a Finals Four MVP, that was in 89, SEC Female Athlete of the Year and SEC Player of the Year in 89, four-time All-SEC First Team Selection, 1986 SEC Freshman of the Year, two SEC Tournament MVPs, 88 and 89, two-time Kodak and Naismith All-American, and she won Olympic gold at the 88 Summer Olympics in Seoul. And she was eventually named to the NCAA's 25th anniversary team and team of the decade in the 80s. I could go on and on about her uh, her playing career. She she played in the WNBA and uh, overseas. Her her coaching career, she spent from 2010 to 2017 at Wichita State as an assistant coach. And let's see, I'm trying to scan through because it's not – not all in order in the addition. Went to the University of Tennessee. Uh, she spent 21-22 at Kansas State. And she went, she spent uh, spent time in Manhattan and at Cincinnati for the 22-23 season. She was supposed to join the, the staff at New Mexico State, but she decided instead to come to the highest. Of seven heels. Your uh, comments uh, from either one of you guys. Well, I'll start with uh, I'll I'll start with Florida A and M. Um, I think, you know, for A.D. Sykes, that's one of her first you know big hires. She just you know arrived at Tallahassee a few months ago, and so that was you know Coach Pillow obviously resigned. It was kind of an all of a sudden type of thing for her. Uh, 
you know, for whatever reason. But I thought it was a pretty good hire. You know, her resume speaks pretty highly. And uh, coming in at this point in time, she got to hit the ground sprinting and not running. She's got to build the staff, which I'm sure she probably already ha- knows where the staff's going to look like, just getting them on board. But, you know, her resume speaks very highly, uh, has played at the highest levels and coached at the highest levels. So I'm looking forward to seeing how this is going to work at FAMU. We've had coaches in this league that have, you know, been and have played at higher levels before. And I'm looking forward to seeing how, how she does at Florida A&M. Jamie? Yeah, I, I, I'm um, of that same mentality. Uh, I think she comes from very good stock when it comes to just the amount of experience uh, and the amount of staff she's been around. When you're talking about, uh, and, and, and I'll go, um, you know, touch on uh, the family situation just a little bit. Uh, I, I think um, A.D. Sykes has a knockout hire. And what I mean by that is, based on experience as both a player and a coach, I think it is a phenomenal hire just based on the timetable in which this occurred. Um, you know, Charles is right. You know, basketball season has been long, you know, done. And so when you're talking about coaching turnover, um, you know, I'll go to the Tuskegee hire for a second. You know, their, their um, coach, you know, has been gone up, you know, in and took another job. And I think, um, you know, they went and made that hire, but they already knew that was happening. Fam, you kind of got, you know, I won't say it's blindsided, but what I will say is Coach Pillow wants that just a little, yeah, a little bit longer than you would normally like to have. You want to have somebody in place because you're in recruiting season. You have all kinds of stuff. But as far as the hires, I would in both of them, um, I think they're phenomenal because even with Coach Wester, you know, you're talking about that experience in the CIAA, who is one of the phenomenal basketball conferences in HBC in HBC ranking. Uh, you're talking about someone that has led into championships. So I think it's a phenomenal hire on both um, by both schools. I don't think you can you can do much better than what, what you have right now. We'll see what happens. You know, there's there's lack of head coaching experience maybe on one end. But I think what you get is the experience um, based on everything you've been around, especially with Coach Gordon, when you're talking about where she's been and what she's done. I think it's they're both phenomenal hires. And you have to get the attention, too, uh, A.D. And I know fans of Tuskegee and Florida and them anxious to have their coaches on board and kind of talked about it on Carlos' show yesterday. I hope, Aggie, uh, I hope fans of uh, Tuskegee and fam, you're a little patient because these hires are late and you're behind, you're way behind the eight ball. I mean, we've seen coaches get hired late and do well in year one, but typically there's a little bit of growing pains involved and there's patience. And I I hope fans of both programs are a little bit patient because when you're hired in July, August, you, you, you barely know where things are. You don't know what your roster is going to look like. There's probably going to be some turnover. Some players aren't going to buy in. And so it's going to be a rough ride. I mean, you hope not, but that's just not that's just not realistic. It, anytime you get a new CEO, people are going to leave because of philosophical differences or whatever the case. You're going to have that there, too, at the, both of those programs. So we hope, as supporters of HBCU Athletics, that those programs are solid and those players stick and stay. But, you know, we all know the realities, and, and we just hope that those coaches can hit the ground sprinting you know, get up, get their staffs in place and, and, and really get off to a good start this season. 
All right. Now, I, I, I've got to put my alumni hat on for both of these. You know, that's why I want to get you guys' opinion first. For the FAMU hire, that's the second consecutive coach that we've hired who has no prior head coaching experience. But in this case, you kind of do you were not going to get an established head coach at this late stage of the game. You know, if you were to get a person with head coaching experience at this late stage of the game, it was going to be a retreat. I mean, somebody who was out of a job. So somebody who's out of a job is probably out of a job for a reason. So so after, after you throw that out the window, on paper, it looks like a good hire. I just hope Rattler Nation can curb the expectations this season because you know coach pillow already was short staffed as far as players you know she 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 had six lead the program she only thought she was gonna have three leading the program so that's three additional bodies that she had and let's keep in mind she was not she did not use all of her scholarships that she was allotted last year so how many players Will there be in Tallahassee in two weeks when classes begin? That's going to be the question. And is this an opportunity where you may need to look at midseason transfers with it being so late in the game? You know, we haven't seen that in a while where you see teams bring somebody in in January. But in this case, I think it is something that needs to seriously be explored if you're, if you're a rapper. Now, on the Tuskegee hire, I know that there were a few other candidates. This candidate, this hire kind of surprised me because I had a source at Tuskegee who told me it was going to be somebody else, another coach from another institution. So when this name popped up, it, I, I think it may be a good hire. But it, it it really shocked me on that one that that was that person was not chosen as the candidate because I know there was somebody else that the alumni wanted, a former Tuskegee player who has coaching experience on the high school level and high school administration, but has not coached on the collegiate level. I know that was the favorite among the alumni, but how many times have the alumni been right? <laughs> <laughs> so we just leave, we just leave that uh, right there. Hey, great point. Yeah, so we'll leave that right there. Hey, fellas, that, did, did y'all hear a little bit of announcement uh, that didn't have anything to do particularly with football, but was revolving around HBCUs uh, this weekend, uh, midweek, maybe about Wednesday or so, had something to do with marching bands or something like that oh yeah <laughs> that was the announcement about the uh band, the band championship matter of fact before before we discuss it fellas go play, go play y'all this clip Rick, go ahead and tell us a little bit about the exciting announcement regarding the band of the of the year and how that's going to impact the upcoming fall football season well, we are really, really pleased that ESPN events to launch a historic competition for HBCUs. 
the Marshall Band, something that has never been done in March HBCU Marshall Band history. Starting at the top of the season, bands will be evaluated by an, an, a, a committee of band experts. It's very similar to the college football playoffs, same model. Each week there's an evaluation of their performances. A ranking will come out twice a week, twice a month, I'm sorry. And then at the end of the season, the goal is whether you're Division Two, you're trying to get into the top two bands. If you're Division One, you want to end the season also at the top two bands because those four bands, two Division Two, two Division One, will, will compete for the national championship at their respective division level. And so the competition is judged based on halftime performances beginning essentially week zero with Southern and South Carolina, with Jackson State and South Carolina State, but moving on to the regular season. So it's it's the halftime performances which are going to be judged. That's correct. So halftime performances are evaluated. So we're going to be looking at things like precision, musicality, originality, your drum line, your, your drum major and your dance chords as you have them. And points will be assigned by the judges um, at the end of as they evaluate each performance. And it's going to be included in that committee. It's going to be a stellar committee. It will be cross. So you'll have some division two uh, band directors that are evaluating Division One. You'll have some Division One band directors on that committee that will be evaluating. great idea um i mean we know the bands are a huge part of hbcu football the halftime the pregame 
the Battle of the Bands, the fifth quarter, the sixth quarter, the eighth quarter, however many shorts, quarter with the zero quarter, um, you know, the water break, whatever you want to do, whatever you want to put out there. So it's going to be some work for some for the committee that's going to be voting on this stuff throughout the course of the year. I'm anxious to see how that's going to go. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that, to see how the ebbs and flows of that go. But I think it's a, I think it's a great idea. We know the bands are a big part of these games. And, hey, you want to have a, a band showdown? Hey, let's let's have it. James. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm kind of the same uh, thought process. I absolutely love the fact that they are um, including more of the culture when it comes to, um, you know, the, the four-letter broadcasting our games, but the band is part of the entire experience. So I'm glad that is being brought into um, into the forefront as well uh, because I think people have been clamoring for that. Uh, I think it's a, a, a great thing. Um, you know, for band, you know, novices like me that go in there strictly for the entertainment, uh, it'll be an opportunity uh, for me to be brought into what is considered uh, and what kinds of things uh, are are appreciated within band culture as far as what the bands do to perform. Uh, I, my only, I, I have no pushback as far as it happening, but just more so of how it'll be judged because hopefully it's truly um those that are purists in band culture hopefully get an opportunity especially those that have been around this space for a long time get an opportunity to be inclus um included in the judging of what band uh is superior so so that's all i'm hoping for um in 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 a great deal of what the rankings will eventually be not just you know those schools that are popular and you just say hey you know, throw the bands in there. I mean, those bands that get down and are part of the entire experience that go with those categories that you're looking for when it comes to bands. I hope those folks um, are included uh, within the rankings. I think that's the most important I, part of it, A.D. Drew, what, what Jamie Walker just said. Who's going to be, who are the judges? That's going to be the key. Now, don't ask me. Because I think all the bands are great. I think every one of them, our band, The Sounds of Dynamite and The Human Jukebox and all that, they're all great. So don't ask me. But I think that's going to be the key because that's going to generate discussion on social media. The bands that make it, especially the ones that don't make it. I think that's, yeah. <laughs> you know, we're going to be fussing and fighting because, as a teacher said, cussing and fussing at, at the end of this in terms of which bands don't make it. So I'm, 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 I'm anxious to see who. Who's on that committee? Maybe you ought to keep that. Maybe you ought to keep that under wraps. <laughs> Might have to encumber the committee. That's <laughs> they, right. Yeah. They may wind up getting. They wind up getting death threats when. Uh, <laughs> no, when I hope not. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 something like else don't get in there. <laughs> no. uh, uh, but no, I, I agree with both you gentlemen. I I am gonna say this. I do think a average fan needs to be included on that committee somewhere. Yeah, you got, we definitely want the opinions of the band experts and, and everything else that goes into it, the people, the people who've marched, the people who've been band directors and things like that. But what is the purpose of the halftime entertainment? It's for the fame. That's why I say there has to be at least a just a fan or two on that committee. How, you know, you know, outside of 
we know the experts. They gonna be looking at the technical stuff. Where did, did they get the right number of beats per per minute, and where, where the steps off of was the formation right? Yeah, you definitely need all that. But you, me, the three of us, we not gonna see that except <laughs> with some, with somebody falling. You know, you know, for me, when they lose a hat, that that's what they screw up to me. I can't tell you that else except they they left their hat on the forty yard line. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I think the general fan uh, needs to be included. Also, shout out to Dr. Kavir, who two years ago saw this coming and created the Inside the HBCU Sports Lab Band Rankings. He did. So, I don't know if John Grant is going to use some of the people who vote in his band poll. But I think that would be a good start. So, you know, something. As a matter of fact, we're going we're to go to our interview with John Grant a little bit early. But before, and we're going to do that after the break. But before we do that, I got to give some shout outs, y'all. Uh, Chuck Hunt, uh, check it in. First one in. Tamra T, first one on YouTube. Mary, 305, Jeremiah Clark, Edward. Jeff Roberts, Israel Carey, uh, Carlos, watching us today. Edward Moore, uh, Joshua Jackson, the pride of Edward Waters, University watches. Hey, even Brian Fulford checked in to see, to watch out. Uh, hey, 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 Brian, I, I hope they don't keep your seat. Uh, hope they keep your seat warm, but not hot, my brother. Hurry up and get back. <laughs> uh, what's going on, Kelvin Roser? OG Strike Zone. Mary Mary Arn is is in the is in the building. Doctor Cavill is in the building. The man, the legend himself, is in the building. Bull Kevin Kevin Bull Butler is in the building. This is what we gonna do, fellas. We're going to take a break, and then we're gonna come back with the executive director. Of the of the cricket BX Swack Challenge, the cricket celebration bowl. And I'm not gonna put cricket in front of it because I, I don't know if cricket is actually the title sponsor of the band championship. Uh Mr. Grant, I can see you just shake your head yes or no if cricket is the celebration. Cricket is the sponsor of the band championship. So everything cricket that, that John Grant has something to do with. We're gonna come back and talk talk to him about it. Hey, if you're in the chat rooms, if you got a question for John Grant, go ahead and put it in the chat. We'll see if we can get to it. You are listening and watching the BCSN Sports Wrap. JB Walker, Charles Edmonds sitting in for Brian. I'm AD, and we're gonna be back in just a moment. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Cuvée Group is a Florida-based marketing and training consulting firm. We help businesses communicate to their target audience and engage them in conversation. We also help 
to expand their audiences, which will ultimately result in growth for those organizations. In addition to being a certified constant contact specialist, my colleagues and I are also certified in John Maxwell Leadership Principles. We use these proven principles to conduct workshops, training, and private coaching sessions for individuals and companies looking to take things to the next level. Contact us to schedule a free consultation. Issues today, don't delay, call Cuvay. This is the Dean of the College of HBCU Sports, Kenyatta Cavill of Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Come mix it up in the lab where the course lecture is in session every Tuesday from 6 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook Live, YouTube, Spreaker, or the BCSN app. As we discuss all things about the HBCU sports culture, including exploring the week that was in the sporting HBCU dash, as well as the upcoming week of HBCU sports. With me, the Dean, the College of HBCU Sports, on Dr. Cavill's Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Course lecture dismissed. From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High quality cigars plus personal customer service. Slowburn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge, featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. Visit our website, www.slowburnwaco.com. That's www. We're back on the BCSN Sports Wrap. Charles and Jamie sitting in for Brian Fulford, and we are joined by none other than John Grant, Executive Director of the Cricket BXWAC Challenge, the Cricket Celebration Bowl. And what is the official title of Mr. Grant, the Cricket? Uh, I, I, you asked me to nod earlier. I will have to say, although cricket is a sponsor, they're not the title of the okay. band of the year. So they are okay. a, a part of it, but uh, they're not the, the title. How are you guys okay. doing? Do we have a title sponsor yet? We have several that we are, are um, in conversation with right now, and we will be making an announcement um, you know, in the very near future of, of who, who will have those naming rights. But there is okay. there's a lot of interest in it. All right. Well, let's start right there. You know, normally we bring you on this time of the year to talk about the BXWAC challenge mm -hmm. and whether, you know, whether Jackson State is going to beat South Carolina State this year in Atlanta. And we're going to get to that. But the chatter for the weekend has been the band, the band championship. Talk to us. Tell us about it. Where, where did where did this uh where did this idea come from? And I, I, I'm gonna ask it straight up. Did Dr. Cavill's poll over the last two years influence you? <laughs> well, first let me start by um, true AD. Thank you for having me on today. 
you know, I, I feel honored to be on with such an illustrious group of, of people who are, you know, covered HBCU sports and, and all things HBCU. Charles, certainly good to see you. Jamie, good to see you as well. Um, delighted to be here with you guys. Uh, actually honored. Um, we have actually been working on the band of the year concept since 2017. Um, and it started uh, with the idea that we would uh, um, produce and conduct a an, an objective um, HBCU band ranking process that was at at the time posted and and worked in conjunction with the undefeated, uh, <clears throat> with always with the intent that that it would ultimately end up with an event that would actually crown a national champion. So for the years 2017, 18, and 19, um, we, we produced uh, band rankings in conjunction with ESPN's uh, Undefeated, which has now been rebranded to Anscape. Um, we did not produce a ranking in, in, um, in um, 20 because of COVID. We did do it in 21, and we held off again in 22, 2022 in preparation of the announcement this year, this year of the band of the year um, championship event. All right. Uh, my next question before I turn it over to uh, Charles and Jamie. We we all grew up and watched we watched Drumline when we were growing up. We've seen Drumline too. Will this be something like what we seen saw in the movie Drumline? Is that kind of the, the the what we're going to see when we're in the Mercedes Benz Stadium, or is it going to be different? How much of it will be like what we seen in the movies? Well, the movie was fictional, um, as you oh. all all know, and um, <clears throat> we are excited that we are working uh, closely with uh, Don Roberts, Don P. Roberts. Don was the executive band producer of you know, both uh, Drumline movies, along with a number of other credits that he has um, to his name. But no, it won't be anything similar to that. This, this will actually be um, a season-long uh, race just to earn the right to get to the championship so that uh, for division one and division two bands. Um, so the top two at the end of the season in, in the rankings, cumulative rankings. So the cumulative, the top two, um, regardless of conference, because it's conference neutral. If you make it to the top two division one and you're the top two division two, those four bands will, we will bring them to Atlanta. Uh, we're covering the cost of their expenses, and there is a a significant uh, payout to get to make it to the championship. Um, so this is higher than anything bands will have ever seen uh, as it relates to that part of it. Um, and then those four bands, the two Division Twos will compete head to head, and the two Division Ones will compete head to head um, for the national championship and the title. Of band of the year. All right, uh, Jamie. Well, I guess your question got answered. A and T will be included, even though y'all not in a HBCU conference anymore. <laughs> so, with that, Jamie, I'm gonna go ahead and turn it over to you. Uh, Mr. Grant, honored to always talk to you. Um, 
How much, and, and I know there's been some some banter back and forth already as far as who's included, things of that nature, and that question uh, was addressed. How much will the conferences themselves have as far as showcasing what their bands are able to do as far as judging who should represent their conference, even though it is conference lists? Um, the conf- the 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 um, actual rankings are, will be as they have been since we started the rankings. We have a committee of experts, and those that committee, independent of conferences, etc., they will be the ones that will be uh, conducting the adjudications of the performances, and their when they produce their their um, their um, their evaluation, those are the rankings that will be used. So the conferences won't have any specific uh, um, engagement uh, in in how those rankings are, are, are produced. Now, I will say this, that we will have as a part of that committee, of those com- the committee that is comprised, that, th- that committee will be comprised of um, uh, HBCU band directors from the Division I that will be adjudicating the Division II bands. And you'll have some band directors from Division II that will be adjudicating the division once. So there will be current band directors involved, um, and but they will not be evaluating their own division. They'll be evaluating the, the other division. And that so we wanted to make sure that there is some inclusion uh, for current band directors. And we've had a, a lot of requests from band directors to be, to be on that committee and that selection um, we will, you know, we have, we'll make, a, that will be made accordingly. Um, but, but that uh, hopefully that answers your question as it relates to how the ranking process will occur. And we will have a portion of that will be based on fan vote as well. So fans will have an opportunity through the season to vote, um, and to have their, have their voices be heard as well. Yeah, that kind of leads in. Thank you for the um for for the clarification. And it kind of is a lead into my um, next question. There's a lot of um of band influencers um uh, within the band space. And so, will the fan voting um be the only opportunity? Those folks that have kind of um uh, are the people that are the boots to the ground will have as far as um, their influence on who gets in what bands are, are, you know, within the rankings, things of that nature, how much outside of um, the experts that you're talking um, will have some kind of influence on who gets in? Very little. It's, it's, it's very similar. <laughs> if you think about the college ball playoffs, you have a committee, a committee of, of professionals and who are experts, and they using their expert evaluation on a regular basis. Um, that's neutral. So it's the, uh, and we want to make sure that that is is very much that this is a neutral evaluation uh, and based on um, the objective criteria that uh, the committee develops because the committee will develop that criteria by which they will adjudicate. I can tell you they'll be looking at certain areas, but again, it'll be the final for, for them, but they're going to be looking at, I do know, very similar to what we've been doing since 2017. Um musicality, originality, uh, precision, um, um, your, your, your ancillary groups, your drum majors, your drum lines, et cetera. And if t- bands that don't have certain pieces, 
because not every band has a has a dance core. Um, but that won't be that won't hurt you as it relates to you know your rankings and how the points are assigned. Every band doesn't have um, an ancillary core with flag core and so forth, but that does not hurt you. Uh, so you're not penalized for not having that um, in any way, shape, form, or fashion. I want to be to be very clear on on that as well. So the it's going to come down to the committee of experts because bands, you know, when you're in high school, you're accustomed to adjudication. You know, all of the, pretty much bands across the country go through an adjudication process. This is no different than that. And so the the, the committee's uh, objective professional. Um, assessment of of the band's performances will somewhat carry the day. Before I give it to Charles, I got to ask a follow-up. You said those ancillary groups will not hurt you, but if your ancillary group goes out there and, for lack of a better word, is off rhythm or makes a mistake, will it hurt you in that case? Whereas not having one does not hurt you, but if you put one out there, it's got to be good. Right. Correct. The the okay. idea is that, you know, um, for this, you think of it, I want you to think of it as when we all are played very much um, football is wins and losses. With, with this is wins and losses. You know, you've got to bring your best performance each game. It's not something or, or each um, in each performance. And let me also outline. Um, we, you know, we're working right now very closely with with band directors uh, in communication. Um, not every performance they have will be adjudicated. There will be identified working with them um, four performances. Could be less, might be three, could be, won't be more than four, I don't believe. Again, I'm not, the committee will assess all of that. But let's say if it's four performances, the band directors will identify these are the four performances we want to be adjudicated on. And then we, um, as ESPN, we're going to actually put out a schedule, just like a football schedule. So people will know and be able to follow, fans will be able to follow which of these uh, performances are a part of the schedule uh, and the adjudication process. The last, I will say this, though, the last, the season will end mid-November because we have to have an opportunity to put out the last ranking and then to put out a cumulative ranking, which, which will come out um, the Monday or Tuesday following Thanksgiving weekend. And that those rankings, will, that last uh, cumulative ranking will tell you who's in. And that gives then those, those bands the opportunity to prepare, to give them enough time to prepare um, to, you know, to participate in the uh, to put their show together for the championship. Go ahead, Charles. So the so the SWAC championship game, Mr. Grant, won't that that won't count as far as the evaluation. No, not neither will the Bayou Classic. Bayou Classic either. Okay, interesting. Yes, sir. It will end prior to that. Okay. Well, Mr. Grant, it's a pleasure to have you on. And for those who might not know, at Media Day, the, the day before, me, John Grant, Dr. Cavill, and, and others had a pretty passionate conversation. And I didn't realize how passionate John Grant is about this stuff. He is a fiery fella when it comes to these type of things. So I, I appreciate his passion, and that's a side that, that a lot of people might not know. Uh, we, we, we talked about this band competition. Do, do you realize – and it, for fans, so a lot of fans, this is big 
big of the game as the game itself. As these rankings come out every week, the ebbs and flows of these things go every week. Do you realize the passion, the conversation? And as a history teacher once told me, the cussing and fussing that's going to take place week to week with stuff, because it is, I mean, fans are really passionate about their bands. They love their bands and how it's judged and how it's evaluated. We all know that. You realize what you created does something that's that's really going to generate a lot, a lot of conversation. And rightfully so. I mean, um, when you, you know, HBCU bands, um, in my opinion, I'll speak for me, uh, as are a part of the three-legged stool that sets, sets the culture for HBCUs. So you've got, you know, football and everything that goes with that, the tailgating, um, homecomings and everything around that. You've got your uh, Greek letter organizations who really kind of set the social tone on campuses as well as uh, um, an attitude of service and giving back. And then the third leg of that stool is music. And our HBCU bands are at the very much at the forefront of that. So when you take those three things, which is what our we're attempting to do here with the with with the cricket celebration bowl and with the band of the year, as well as the cricket Mac swag challenge, then we 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 can can really put forth um, and educate the nation nation on what the the cultural experience and the impact and the relevance of our historically black colleges are and also you know with with this with this um event uh, with this competition think of it this way um we are now including division two schools uh on a major stage and and giving them um the, the their them an opportunity to participate in a championship weekend we are also extending beyond um, just the team. So if your team doesn't make it to the to the championship weekend, your band can get here, can get the school here. So now there's a, there are two opportunities in the MIAC and the SWAT for to be represented and for these schools to be represented. And finally, uh, Charles, these conversations throughout the season do nothing but bring fans closer into and make them more connected to um, to to the sport. Um, and that's what we want. And, and if we can create that kind of energy that you describe and to have that kind of those kind of discussions and, you know, in, engage in that kind of passion, it only does nothing but solidify our HBCU family. And the other thing is that, you know, the Battle of the Bands, we've seen these Battle of the Bands competitions all over and how they draw huge crowds, Houston, Dallas, uh, Montgomery, Atlanta. I mean, when you just have Battle of the Bands, you're going to have thousands upon thousands of folks. So when you have this, the, the Celebration Bowl, and then you have four bands, you know, battling for Division One, Division Two rights, that's going to even, that's going to jack up the attendance even more so when you add that component to it. And, and you're absolutely correct, but I do want to delineate, this is not a Battle of the Bands. Um, and, you know, I have a great admiration, great amount of respect and and um, in terms of our, our, you know, our battles of the bands and what they do in the showcasing our HBCUs. But this is not an invitational. You can't be invited. This is not a showcase. So it's not just to have you there to, ex to, um, to exhibit. You're there to compete and you're there to win. So this is a band of the year competition. It is not 
it, it is not a showcase. It's not an invitation. You have to earn your way here. And so that means that you have to each, each performance week in and week out when you're scheduled to perform, you have to put your absolute very best foot forward. And we think that that only makes our band's programs better. We think also what that will do downstream. Now band directors are looking for the, and to recruit the absolute best talent out there. And what that does, it increases um, it increases and enhances uh, our music programs and band programs at the high school level, which also creates interest for, for young people who um, may not have thought about going into music. But if I'm in the middle school and I see that there is an opportunity, maybe I can't play a sport, but I can be good in music. Then I also have a path forward for me to compete, for me to get to a championship. And for me to want to engage um, in, as we know, the impacts of music um, is unquestioned that young people who are who are engaged in music are better in math. So it enhances the education opportunity. This to answer to also um, close out the answer to your question. We just took the uh, the highway, the road to Atlanta, and it's now become the autobahn. It has been widened <laughs> and it's faster. And so, and it's more inclusive of more of more opportunities to make it to Atlanta. All right, Mr. Grant, I got to ask this question. Since this is for a national championship, do, does a brother or sister get a ring? <laughs> that's, a, that's a very good question. But understand this: we don't we don't give the rings out for the for the. Um, <laughs> For the cricket celebration bowl, the schools um, do that for themselves. But I will tell you what will happen is this: there, there won't be a bigger stage at all ever for for HBCU bands. Um, and when you tie it to when we in tying it to championship weekend, our our motto for the cricket celebration bowl is a champion will rise, and that champion that applies on football, and it also now applies in our marching band. A champion will rise, and that will be based on what you do to get here and what you do once you are here to get yourself crowned as national champion. Uh, I, I, uh, I have a question about the band's career real quick, Mr. Grant, if, if possible. Uh, so we know for the big classics that are shown nationally, the Bayou Classic, Celebration Bowl, you know the network show the the, the band competition at halftime. Is this is there a television component tied to it yet, or you know whether the networks will show show this showcase? Absolutely. As a matter of fact, we have been we have been showing halftime shows on ESPN um, during during our linear television games. The announcers will tell you go to ESPN.com and you can see the show in its entirety. Um, and so that already exists. Uh, as far as the championship itself, yes, it will be carried on ESPN platforms. Um, it will be on ESPN. It'll be simulcast on ESPN Plus and ESPN.com simply because of music rights. We don't have to go through the process of getting music cleared, and it gives the bands more freedom um, in terms of the music selections they want to use because we don't have to worry about clearance and, and, and rights, fees, et cetera. Um, if we're streaming. 
So those that simulcast platform will will be reaching millions of people um, on ESPN.com. Right now, we have close to 40 million. Um, actually, I'm sorry, that's less than I'm, I'm thinking about plus. Um, it's over 100 million um, people that are a part of that uh, of that uh, of wow. access to ESPN.com because it's a free app. You don't. It's not behind the paywall. You can just download the app and you got access. So um, we're excited about that because again, you got a season long stage set with a schedule, and that will also include um, any of those games that are carried on other networks. Because I, you know, I know that like HBCU Go, they they televise their halftime shows. It makes it visible, um, and any of the other networks that are out there that are showing those shows. But the judges will have access to all of those performances of the scheduled performances that um that that you know will be developed. All right. Just like you see an uptake in student applications after teams win the celebration bowl or even participate in the celebration bowl, do you think that will be the same thing as a result of this band competition? Absolutely. There's no question in our mind about it. And um, it also will give each of the programs, whether you make it to the championship or not, I want you to imagine um, when the rankings come out, if you're in the top five, I mean, you you have being in the top five puts you in the elite group of marching bands, uh, HBCU marching bands in the country. So making obviously the goal is to um, get to Atlanta, but but you also your 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 prowess is shown by how you end up in the rankings. What you don't want to be is at the bottom, <laughs> like no one ever does. But we'll be ranking uh, on each side up to the top twenty, um, from Division One and the top twenty Division Two. So uh, that that you know gives every every fan who's following their bands an opportunity to see you know, how they're performing through the season and where they're coming in the ranking. All right. Uh, last question before I let these other ones uh, get in. As far as the event Friday night, Saturday night, will there be packages where people could get tickets for both Friday and Saturday, or will those be like two separate admissions? You got to buy a Friday night ticket and a, and a Saturday afternoon ticket. You know, and the same thing with like the suites and everything else. Will the suites even be available, or does everybody have to sit in the seat? Because you know, there's somebody out there who wants to know these things as they start making their plans for the third Saturday and the third, now the third Friday in December. That's a very good question. In answer to your first question, will there be packages? Yes, fans will have the ability to when they're buying their. Um, cricket celebration bowl ticket that they can buy the band of the year ticket as well and vice versa because they may decide i want to sit in the same seat i want to buy the t t my game ticket but i also want to sit in that same seat for um band of the year so we're, we're allowing them um the, the ability to do that as far as suites at this point we're we're not fully determined on that uh in terms of how much we'll open that up for friday night because we want to make sure we're pushing uh, fans to if you if you buy a suite you want you to do that specifically for the game on Saturday um, but that's not to say it necessarily won't happen in year two but I think in year one we're going to sort of limit that um, to um, um, to just Friday 
unless you know we see how it shapes as we go forward. You know, fans made this. The fans drive what what this is. Right now, we're just we're focusing on making sure that we're that we're creating and building out the right model because there are a lot of intricacies that will go into this logistically. Having you know a championship football game, you want to make sure you're giving the teams uh, every opportunity to get prepared and to be in the venue, etc. And then to also integrate now a national championship for marching bands means that our team has a lot of logistics that we were having to work through to make sure that everyone who's playing for a championship gets an opportunity to have the best experience uh, possible. Jamie. Um, my last question. Uh, and, and it's, I, first of all, I love the fact that the division twos are included in this mix. How important was that for them to be all included in in this competition? Because I know you you know in in just private conversations and just conversations in general, you wish it was a ball game that you know put together, uh, especially the two um, conferences together in Division Two. But how important was it to include them in this competition? Extremely, um, it was critically important. Uh, we never even conceived without it. I mean, we, if you look at how we've been ranking bands since 2017, the division twos were included in that from the beginning. So there was never any doubt in our mind uh, at all that this would not in, be inclusive of, like I said, the HBCU uh, family, inclusive of those that are not necessarily a member of HBCU conference, but if they're, but, and, and we're having them, they're being ranked sort of as independents. They're in the division ones, but they're not in the HBCU conference, but they're included as independents in the, in the rankings um, um, currently. So, you know, we all, we all are a part of a connected network. Um, and that network includes whether you're MEAC and SWAC or CIAA and SIAC uh, and, and others that are, that are in, in those categories. Um, it was it was always our intent to make sure that we're bringing everyone together, um, you know, around a, around a form of championship for something that's common to all of us, and that's music, and that is our and and our pride around our marching bands, and we believe that this is going to make uh, you know this weekend, it's, and it's, 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 it wasn't just about enhancing the celebration bowl. I mean, the celebration bowl is what it is. We're already at maximum capacity. Uh, for for how we facilitate the stadium, but it was really about how we create additional opportunities. Um, what I call, you know, band members to me, to me personally, I've never been in a band. I love them like most fans do, but I also know the amount of work that the young people put into it, and they put as much work uh, into into their craft as as the student athletes that are playing football in their. Put into theirs and so i consider them athletes as well when you watch their performances they have to be in shape when you watch their performances they have to be accurate and in precise in what they do and so to give them the a similar platform uh to showcase the hard work that they put in and then to also not only give them the platform but you're now compete you, ha you have the ability to compete for something that will matter for your university and for you personally, um, there's nothing better. If you ask any football player, when they can say they're uh, throughout the rest of their life that they're they're a national champion, we now are giving that same opportunity to band members 
who can say that they earned the right to be a national champion. Uh, hold up, Charles. Mr. Grant, can you hang around for a few more minutes? Absolutely. As long as you need. All right, Charles, hold, hold your question right here. We're overdue for a break. So what we going to do, we're going to take a break, and then we're going to come back and, and let Charles get in. And you know something, fellas? We haven't even talked about the doggone game that's coming up <laughs> in, 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 in like four weeks. So we got to get into the game. But I'm going to let Charles get his last bad question in right after we come back from this break. You're, you're listening, watching to the BCSN Sports Wrap. Charles Evans, J.B. Walker, special guest John Gregg, A.D. Drew driving the ship tonight. We'll be right back, y'all. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Supermarket sushi, really? No. Wait, Troy, you work here? I'm never not working. Like head and shoulder scalp shield technology, up to 100% dandruff protection, even between washes. Never not working, huh? Oh, Troy, you're such a good teacher. Yeah, I know. <laughs> never not working. Never not working. Never ever not working. Are you serious? Never not working. Dandruff protection that's never not working. Head and shoulder scalp shield technology. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCU Pride Joy on Facebook and Twitter. This is Brian Fulford. A.D. Drew and I are co-hosts of the BCSN Sports Wrap. We talk about all things related to HBCU athletics. From the games, teams, coaches, and fan interest stories, we cover it all. You can find our shows on Facebook at BCSN Sports Wrap, YouTube at MyJBN Online, and everywhere you listen to podcasts like Anchor, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. You can also find the show on the Jericho Broadcast Network's app. Make sure to download. We look forward to you joining the conversation and being a part of the show. When you're looking for the latest information on Southern University Sports, the Southwestern Athletic Conference, and HBCU Athletics, there's only one place to go. Tune in to the Carlos Brown Show, exclusively on the Black College Sports Network. We are back here on the BCSN Sports Wrap. Charles Edmund, J.B. Walker, sitting in for Brian Fulford. My name, I'm A.D. Drew. And over there is John Grant, the executive director of the Cricket VX Fight Challenge and the Cricket Celebration Bowl. Before we get back to it, I need everyone. I know y'all loving this content. I know y'all love it that we are bringing this to you hot and heavy. I need y'all to hit that thumbs up button. I need you to like. I need you to subscribe. 
I need you to find a friend and share this podcast with them. And if you're really feeling good about it, you, you see the information scrolling across the bottom, make a donation to the brother. You know, we ain't asking for a whole lot. Just, just a cup of coffee, but it need to be Starbucks coffee, not McDonald's <laughs> coffee if you're going to make a donation. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> uh Get back to it. Charles, uh, before we went into the break, you were getting ready to come with a question. Go ahead with it, my brother. Yeah, quick comment and, and a question. The comment is, I can attest to how hard the band works because our band, the Sounds of Dynamite, all corn marching band, uh, they actually practice behind a radio station. So I'm, I'm in their way and they're in my way when they're, when they're practicing out in the parking lot. At 7 o'clock at night, 8 o'clock, the lights are on and, and they're going at it. Band director stopping practice because someone's out of tune, someone's out of step. So I can attest to how hard that they work because I get a chance to see that. And my my question though is that we were talking about it before you went on. As far as the committee, it is uh, it is made up of band directors, and we we kind of had a suggestion maybe a fan should have you know a different perspective to be added to the committee. But what you're saying is that the committee's already locked in. You already got your committee set. Is that is that correct? Well, what I'm saying is that the band, the committee will be comprised of a number of different people. Some of okay. them will be band directors. Some of them will be experts in the music er area. And some some you may be on the lookout. We may have some people who are professionals in the music industry who are also a part of this. So it is still being uh, put together as we speak, um, but it will have a composition of all of those things. But we definitely want to make sure that the people that are a part of it are people who are who who are who have a, a, a deep understanding of the, the various areas upon which they're going to judge. All right. Uh, got one from the chat room, uh, Dr. McCle uh, Dr. Mr. Grant. Uh, and I'll put it up on the screen. Is there a performance time limit? How would you know if a band did or did not commit errors? And that comes from Tamara T out of our YouTube chat. That is a very good question. Um, and let me ask this, answer this from the end backwards. Okay, in when you have uh, televised games, televised games have a 20-minute total halftime, 20 minutes total. Which So when you are participating in games that we oversee, in order to meet that 20 minutes, bands are restricted to a seven-minute performance during halftime. That's a minute on, a minute off, and they play for five minutes. And that is a total of 14 minutes and a half so that you can give the team an opportunity to come back out, warm up, and get ready for football. We have all, however, seen... Uh, halftime shows that are, that, are, that are extended, teams are coming out. They're trying to warm up in the end zone while a band is on the field. And I will tell you from a personally, just speaking personally, that's a culture that we really need to sort of change. Um, it prohibits uh, more of our, our bands from being televised on linear television because television is time sensitive and is synchronized. And games that are have a hindered, a tendency where their bands play longer, you never see them on linear television. They'll be on, mm -hmm. on streaming or they'll be, um, they'll be um, on a, a tape delay because we can cut down and in a tape delay and make the, the show what it should be. What we would hope um, is to get people 
uh, or get our bands to recognize the value in having, you know, a show that fits within the window of television. It, 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 it helps the institution, it helps the team, it helps the school, but it also helps them in being able to put on a show that is succinct, that is crisp, and that is that fits within the window that gives the greatest possible exposure to the institution. Now, when they get to the championship, the, ba- the performances will be 15 minutes. They're going to get a total of 15 minutes to perform their show. And the format will be in the format of a game. Um, and when, when it starts, you're going to have all four band directors come out onto the center of the field, and there'll be two coin tosses, a coin toss for Division Two to see who, and they'll get a chance do I want to, go, to select, do I want to go first or second? Uh, and we'll have the same thing for Division One. The first band will come out and play the first quarter. Their quarter is 15 minutes. We're going to have a quarter break. Entertainment is in the, you know, in the stadium, keeping fans engaged. Then you have quarter two. Then we will have an actual Super Bowl-like halftime show. There will be a, a, a performance, a concert performance um, at halftime. And then you'll have quarter three and quarter four. So the anticipation is having a, an event that starts at six. Uh, we'll be out by around 8.30. That's going to give the venue an opportunity to clear everyone out, reset the venue for the game the next day. Um, might be a little bit longer answer to the question, but but that's how it's it's going to work. But the idea is we really need to have our thinking around um, to get the best exposure for our institutions, especially if we're dealing with television. Television works on a time schedule. And you can't have a, you know, a, a half hour uh, halftime and then expect to have your game televised. It's not going to happen. It never will happen. And so we have to help orient, you know, all of the people involved to play the role that they have within the time that that will best represent the institution at a, at a, and, the, and the band program at, at, um, at the highest level. And that's an excellent point, Mr. Grant, because in the SWAC, there's a certain time frame. And when it comes to homecoming games and special those rivalry games, you have to get permission to have an extended halftime from the conference office. Because as you mentioned, those things are time sensitive. So that is, I mean, we all love the bands and they 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 do what they do, but I guess trying to have the best show in the allotted slot time, it, it can be a challenge, but that's just the reality. It's you're, you're absolutely correct. And and they're they're giving that exception to see if, if TV will also give the exception. Um, but when you look at in in re, in reality, um, and th- these are just the facts of life as we have as we're evolving now oh, into the world of television, which is where we have to be. We have to be. And I say that again, we have to be. Um, so long gone are the days of having it both ways. If you want the, the, the big stage, there, there are adjustments that, that come with that. And if you don't want the big stage, don't, don't complain when you're not on it because you want it to do it a different way. It's just the way it goes. And, um, that, but we hope, and we think that, you know, in work, I've never had the issue, um, with the, with the MEAC SWAC challenge or the celebration bowl in working with the band directors to meet the time schedule. And I'm thankful for that. So it tells me that it can be done. 
um, if, if, if we if we just put our mind to making that work. All right. Any any last comments on the uh, on the band, Mr. Grant, before we move on to the uh, football game? I am delighted that we could have an extensive conversation on something that's that's brand new because it tells me from the questions that you all have and from um, what you're receiving from your your viewers that this is something that people want. Um, and we are we're just really excited to to be able to put this into place. And I, and I want you to imagine what this will be like 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now. The scale of something like this can be just immense. And what it will do for our, our institutions, as, as was mentioned around recruiting, uh, student interest um, and, and admissions uh, applications. To our, you know, it's, this is going to be unbelievable, in my opinion. Um, we're going to see nothing but um, a renewed interest in this. And then I'll finally say this one thing, um, A.D., if you don't mind. And that is no other game, no other bowl game of any kind will have what we will have around championship weekend with the celebration bowl, cricket celebration bowl, and the band of the year. It doesn't exist. And this is the kind of um, innovative thinking that we need to have in order to, con to continue to separate ourselves uh, from the rest of the pack. Because, because um, these are assets that we have within our, um, within our framework that, that others do not, not to the, to the type of scale we do. Of course, all of them have marching bands and that's a wonderful thing, but no one, no band performs like an HBCU marching band. No band entertains like an HBC marching band. And we're our intent is to put that out into the forefront. I, I know quickly, AD, you you know, you talked about Mr. Grandpa the Go financials ahead. with the celebration bowl. We know what the payout is for both teams. Are you able to discuss a number in terms of how much the bands will, will be getting? Is that yet to be determined? I like the way you did that because you want me to break that on this show, don't you? <laughs> that was a big. Uh, we're we're we are we we have the number, but we're not prepared at this point. Um, there are other details we want to make sure when when we make that full announcement. Okay, we'll, we'll be able to have that because there are the reason I'm not saying it now because based on how we these conversations we're having uh, with with sponsors that are interested, it, that number could even be enhanced um based on what some of them are wanting to do so i'd rather not say that at this point yeah. we'll get it until it's, it's all worked out and when we give a number it's a number that everyone will know that that they can count on very good point yeah you're right all right uh brother grant we talking about something that's getting ready to happen all the way down the third friday in december we got a football game week zero the fourth Friday, the fourth Saturday in August. What's going on with the VXY challenge? I mean, that's that was actually the press conference that you broke this story at was for the football game, and it has like overshadowed the football game. <laughs> so have at it, my brother. Um, and thank you again for uh, this opportunity to be here to talk about that, but also to talk about this this game i mean um look the cricket meak swag challenge we are so excited about this year we're so excited for on a, for a number of reasons number one we're excited about the impact of 
of this game being in week zero and that the Cricket Miak Swack Challenge this will will again open the college football season in week zero. Um, and that is that is that is tremendous. Number two, what makes it even more significant is that for the first time in its history, this game is going to be broadcast on ABC on and then add to that for the first time in its history is going to be broadcast on ABC in prime time at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Um, that makes this one of the biggest games that will be played on that day. Uh, it is the, the only game that's going to be on network television, um, which we're truly excited about that. And the fact that Walt Disney Company, ESPN, and ABC saw this game as a as a critical programming opportunity uh, and to put it in prime time and without question for all of us we need to understand that that speaks volumes it speaks volumes to um what what this content is now add to that we just happen to have a rematch from the 2021 uh cricket celebration bowl and we booked this game back in 2019 without any thought that 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 this would that this was occur but i will always say god is always good um and sometimes when we're, when we're planning things and we don't know god knows uh at the time when when this game was booked what the circumstance would be so we now have a rematch of um of two great programs two story program um in in south carolina state who are the 2021 national champions against um, two-time SWAC champion and Jackson State, who, who came through both seasons um, with incredible records. Um, so the fans on each side, on the MEAC side, they're, uh, oh, I'm sorry, the SWAC side, Jackson State fans are calling to get the get back. They're going to get back. <laughs> on, the, on the MEAC side, they're, gonna call, they're calling it the beatdown. And that's what we love. <laughs> We love the fact that there's a lot of energy among the fans. And I think you saw the camaraderie at the press conference among the coaches and the respect that they have. And, and, and final note to this, we are so pleased. I had a conversation with, with coach TC Taylor. I've talked to them both when I talked to them, but, but to be able to provide for him this sort of stage for his coaching debut on uh as i mentioned before in prime time on network television with a with 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 his team that he's built and an opportunity to showcase him as a head coach you know i couldn't be more pleased with that for jackson state and then of course with with coach pew we know his record and he himself said he had a very very disappointing season uh last year uh he that that his players got ahead of themselves um, and thought after they beat North Carolina Central that they were just automatically going to be in the Celebration Bowl. But we see what happened uh, after that with them. But uh, we think that the fans are going to are going to have an opportunity to participate in something very, very special this year. Well, I, I know my Florida Adam Rattler is going to have an opportunity to be, since they'll be in the 2024 game, to be the ones who close out the season in Atlanta and open the season in Atlanta the next year. Oh, my bad. I was supposed to throw that out there. Go ahead, Jamie. Uh, <laughs> AD, you a trip. Um, Mr. Grant, what, 
this game has been huge um, throughout its inception. What are you doing this year to kind of sell the game to Atlanta? That's a very good question. You know, the, the beautiful thing about um, the Cricket Meat Swag Challenge, we moved it here in twenty in 2018 uh, after having been in, in Birmingham, then Orlando, then it went to from campus to campus. Um, and we moved it here in 2018. And then at that point, our decision was, if it's going to be in Atlanta, then we're going to rebrand it. The name extended it. We added kickoff to it. Um, and, and quite frankly, for, for our perspective, we have taken whatever the records were prior to coming to Atlanta. We They're there, but we've put them on the shelf. So right now, the matchups are even. It's two MEAC, two SWAC. So this year is a tiebreaker. Uh, in our, from our perspective, um, it's starting a new, a new, and and by adding certain things, we got another big announcement coming. I can't really tell it to you right now. Another, Go ahead and hit the breaking news sounder. Go ahead. (laughs) We just just keep them coming, but there's another big announcement around this game that's going to be exciting for fans um, and fans coming out this year, specifically to participate in the Coca-Cola fan experience prior to the game. It's going to be something that every, and it's because it's free, people are not going to want to miss this. So stay tuned uh, as we (laughs) finalize the details and get it, get everything inked for something that's going to going to um, answer your question, Jamie, Um, is going to make not only Atlanta, but make everyone sizzle around wanting to be here. You heard it first right here on the Black College Sports <laughs> Network. Stay tuned to the BCSN for the latest and hottest breaking news in yeah. Black College Sports. Go ahead, Charles. Well, you know, one of the big uh, passionate conversations we had at Media Day, Mr. Grant, you talked about the history of this game and being on this platform, and now it's on ABC. You know, talk about the evol- the involvement and development of that, because week zero – you know, seven, eight years ago wasn't a big deal. But week zero is a big deal now. And I'm sure there's competition to get on week zero now compared to several years ago. Talk about the involvement. And you, we had a conversation at media day about that, how important week zero now is compared to many, many years ago when it was just what, what it was. Well, you know, week zero came about back in 2016. Um, ESPN in conversation with the NCAA was looking to add additional football content. And so hence the creation of week zero as an early entry into the season. And that you were right, Charles, in 2019, um, there in 2019, there were only five games played in week zero. Um, we moved to week zero in 2021 and by 2022, um, there were there were 11 games played. There will be 11 um, this year um, games played uh, in, in, in week zero. But, you know, I have to give some credit also to um, the conference commissioners because the way it works, team uh, conferences get to put one team um, with the option, opportunity to play in week zero. And when I went to uh, Commissioner McClellan and at that time uh, Commissioner Thomas, now Commissioner Steeles of the MEAC, McClellan with the with the SWAC to talk about the idea of moving the game into week zero. 
they were both um, very enthusiastically supportive of it. And so Charles, as you can see that now we're going into year three of being in week zero in um, year one, we were, you know, when we went to week zero, we had college game day here because it opened up the opportunity for us to access assets that ESPN had that, that, that were tied up in week one with all the big games. So college game day, um, made an appearance here um, at, for our HBCU game against North Carolina Central against Alcorn, which was a great game, great matchup, as you well know. And then certainly, um, you know, last year uh, in having the game move to 730, I mean to 7 p.m. and then go from to onto, ES, onto the ESPN network. And then this year moving to 730 onto ABC. The goal for us had always been, how do we get it to the linear network? How do we get it on ABC? Um, and we, you know, repositioning it into week zero and then having some great solid matchups where we could lay a future schedule out, which we did. And we never had that for MEAC SWAC challenge prior to coming to Atlanta, laying out a future schedule gives, gives um, the network the best opportunity for, for programming and then that we can put good, solid content. This game is great content for this year, and I can understand why um, the executives at a ABC would want to choose this game, you know, to carry. All right. Mr. Grant, any final thoughts on either the uh, band of the year? And and, and I got to be careful of that. We, we got to make sure we don't shorten that one to an acronym because if we shorten that one to an acronym – it's gonna it's gonna spell something. You probably already know it if if you say it wrong. B O B O T Y. Uh, anyway, any any final thoughts band of the year and or the B X Swag challenge? <laughs> you had to say that, didn't you? Well, I'm sorry. You know, if y'all y'all have been around me on these podcasts, sometimes things come to my head and come out my mouth quicker than I can quicker than I can stop. Well, well, you know there are there are there are great ways to use that when you come into the championship. They're coming to kick B O T Y. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the band um, X O B O O. <laughs> but um, but but think first. I want to just say thank you guys for having me on. This has been incredible. I am very respectful of the work that you all do. Please, with it, as as we've said, it's programs like yours that were keeping the lights on uh, for H for HBCUs, our sports, and everything that we do long before it was, you know, cachet to others. And so, I'm I'm always um, going to show up when you ask me to. We're going to make sure that we're that we are as best we can breaking what news we have with you. Um, you all, because I, I'm, I'm, I'm for a firm believer in the, you support the people who support you. Uh, and so thank you for that. Cricket Miak Swack Challenge, August the 26th, um, 7.30 p.m., broadcast live on ABC here in Atlanta, Georgia, Wakanda, um, and played at Center Park Stadium. There's still a few tickets left. I think we're down to about maybe 3,000 or so, but we know that those will be gone soon. So once it's sold out, as this game always does, um, um, you know, it will be. But we're asking, you know, you know, if you can't come, tune in. 
if you can't necessarily watch it, turn your TV on anyway while you're out, um, you know, doing what you need to do because those numbers count if if the if if the broadcast is on. But the beautiful thing is that you can watch the game not only on television, but you can watch it on your mobile device. It's we're all mobile now, and uh, and that's a, another thing that that we're we're excited about with the direction that uh, ESPN has taken with this um, with our direct to consumer model. So thank you all. We're excited for this year's celebration. Cricket Celebration Bowl will be December the 16th, 2023 in Atlanta, Georgia. Kickoff will be 12 noon. And for us, Atlanta, a champion will rise. It starts in Atlanta and it ends in Atlanta. Thank you so much for having me. And with that, we appreciate you once again, John Grant. Thank you for everything that you do for HBCU Sports. Uh, thank, thank you for the offline conversation that we've all had with you, uh, John. Been some, been some very enlightening conversations. And if you have not gotten your ticket, if you've never been to the BXY Challenge and or the Celebration Bowl, I don't know. I don't know where, where, where you've been. You know, it's it's like not being. It's not. It's like not eating fried chicken and, and drinking Kool Aid. It's just something things you've got to do. <laughs> if, if, if you're a brother or a sister. So get there. If you can't get there, we understand. Watch it. it I, I'm just going to say it like that. So with that being said, we're, we're going to take a break. We've got our next guest sitting in the waiting room. We're going to come back. We're going to bring on Kelvin Carter. We're going to talk some SWAT football media day. And we're going to talk about a new and exciting announcement that his company has with the Black College Sports Network. You see all these partnerships running around? Brother Grant. I love it. Announcements all over the place. <laughs> Announcements all over the place. Hey, you got you to gotta stay hot with the BCSN Sports Wrap. That's Charles. That's Jamie. Thanks to, thanks to John Grant. I'm AD. We'll be back in three. If you think all pads are exactly the same, think again. This is Always Ultra Thins reinvented with the Always Triple Protection System. This pad wicks gushes 90% faster, absorbs even more so you can feel dry, and locks odors in. Rethink your pad for up to 100% leak-free and odor-free comfort with the totally reinvented Always Ultra Thins. This is always like never before. The Cuvée Group is a Florida-based marketing and training consulting firm. We help businesses communicate to their target audience and engage them in conversation. We also help to expand their audiences, which will ultimately result in growth for those organizations. In addition to being a certified constant contact specialist, my colleagues and I are also certified in John Maxwell Leadership Principles. We use these proven principles to conduct workshops, training, and private coaching sessions for individuals and companies looking to take things to the next level. Contact us to schedule a free consultation. Issues today, don't delay, call Cuvay. Twelve, stride, career prep, and I'm here today.
for the latest information on Southern University Sports, the Southwestern Athletic Conference, and HBCU Athletics, there's only one place to go. Tune in to the Carlos Brown Show, exclusively on the Black College Sports Network. And our schools in which the Black College Sports Networks provides 15 paid internships for students who wish to desire to do digital media content creation and go out and cover HBCU sports. So we're glad to be here in Birmingham, Alabama today at the SWAC Media Days, which as you can see as we're here, behind us are all the members of the Southwestern Athletic Conference. So Dr. Tobin, if you could introduce yourself and tell us about your school and who your school supports here in the state of Alabama. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Dr. Keisha Talbert. I'm the Executive Director of Alabama Destinations Career Academy. We are a school of Chickasaw City Schools in Mobile County, Alabama. We offer public virtual education to students across the state of Alabama. Our main focuses are to provide career awareness, exploration, and preparation for students from K through 12. Uh, we currently offer three pathways that our students can show interest in. Our pathways are health science, manufacturing, as well as information technology, or as some may know it as IT. And so um, we're just really excited to be here and to partner with you all for this internship opportunity. And this could not have happened without, you know, Roy Evans and, and the staff here, Brian, both Brian's and A.D. Drew. And they're committed to helping our intern. Kaylin is our intern that will be here from Alabama DCA. And we'll be bringing on about seven other ones. And they'll all go through a great curriculum created by Roy that encourages students to explore their writing ability. I know uh, your intern expressed direct interest in covering the HBCU band segments. So she'll be at Alabama State and Tuskegee. And it'll just be a wonderful time for her to go out on the weekends and explore multiple things and also while you're there maybe you find an interest in, in attending one of our historically black colleges so with all that being said we're just super excited to be in partnership with the black college force network and build which is our group here inside of the k-12 stride company is here to support our students in any way possible to, for their success so dr tobert is there anything else you want to let us know about Alabama Destinations Career Academy. Yeah, I just think this is an awesome opportunity. Like I mentioned, we have our three pathways, which are health science, manufacturing, as well as IT. But the unique thing about Kaylin's experience is Kaylin is one of our health science students, right? But we have found a way through partnership with you all and how we can match media along with her health science interests, right? And so when you think about all of the sideline health science types of things that yes. happen from having those trainers on the field to really understanding that there's a media presence even within that connection of her interest. And so I just thank you all for really partnering with us and helping us to kind of bring Kaylin's vision a lot. Well, yes, and like I said before, the partnership with the Black College Sports Network is amazing. 
And moving forward, what we're going to do is we're going to shift back into the gears of what Kaylin will be focusing on, which, like you said, she's a member of HOSA. She's a health sciences kid, but she saw fit and she said, I want to explore even more. And so this will give us an opportunity to do that. Well, that being said, thanks so much for, you know, coming out today and meeting with us and talking with us. And we're going to turn it back over to Brian and AD and have a great day. And with that, we are back here on the BCSN Sports Wrap. J.B. Walker, Charles Edmonds sitting in for Brian Fulford. And joining us is a new member of the Black College Sports Network team, but also one of the people who has been a partner with us with this brand new internship opportunity that you just saw being presented. That is Mr. Kelvin Carter. Kelvin, how's it going, my brother? Oh, all is going well. Got back in from Birmingham. Um, it was great seeing uh, Mr. Edmonds there, a guy that uh, I've admired for years during my time on campus and seeing the work that he did at Alcorn State University and recently learning that he's a University City High School graduate that is 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 very uh, famous here in St. Louis. So um, it, it's been a blessing uh, to see what the partnership with the Black College Sports Network and K-12 Career Prep uh, college and career prep learning is going to do. We got, we'll have an intern uh, in Alabama, uh, Georgia, Virginia, Florida, and Texas. We just added online. So I just, I just really believe that it's a great scenario for students to be able to have an early touch point in what we're doing, you know, with our, you know, with this type of space. And I just love the fact that our students will get access to the trainers, the, the band content, all of those things that'll be there. So uh, I appreciate what you guys are doing. And like I said, uh, Mr. Edmonds and Jamie, as you know, it's just always glad to see that we can get more young people engaged in this type of content creation. And it's ironic that the first student that we picked for the state of Alabama was interested in bands. And little did we know at that time, we would have a band of the year contest. And she's got two potential bands right there in her backyard there, Kelvin. Oh, yeah. And I think that's the big part about it is in Alabama, we have 4,700 students. And with those 4,700 students there, we have like 500 around the, Mo the Montgomery, the Birmingham area. And it's really going to allow for them to get a real up close with this. So if she sees it, she'll also get a chance. Like Alabama, uh, Eddie Robinson Jr. said, uh, the coach of Alabama State, they're going to play seven games in the state of Alabama. So that's going to be a really unique piece that she gets a chance to see Tuskegee, Miles, Alabama State, Alabama A&M, and to actually put like, see like, what did I see? What's different? What's what's the same? You know, and with the recent announcement with uh, Dr. Uh, John Grant and ESPN, I think that that's going to really put at the forefront of what we, the, the scope and the reach of how we're going to be able to push content out moving forward. All right. I'm going to say the educator, the, the current educator <laughs> on, on, on the panel for last. I'm going to go to Charles Edmund first. Charles, any questions that you want to ask Kelvin about this? Because we're going to get into some swack in a moment, but any questions you want to ask about this uh, program there, Charles? Well, yeah, I mean, experience is the best teacher. I mean, and I think, you know, when you have 
these opportunities starting at a relatively young age, especially what we do and what we've done starting at a young age. It's with, with the with the pace of the way things are going, the earlier you get started to jump right into it at an early age, the better off you'll be and experience is the best teacher. So I, I think this is a great opportunity, especially for youngsters out there to kind of test the waters to see what this is all about. All right, and now, go ahead, go ahead, Kel. Oh, and one, one of the things too that I, I believe being in public education for almost 28 years now, what I have learned is it comes a time where you have to engage the youth in a meaningful way, because as what we saw last year with well-off media and what they what they managed to do at Jackson State, it kind of shed a light on something that we hadn't seen at that moment. It shed a light on the fact that from the eyes of Deion Jr. and and his group, they showed something that was of interest, but it might not have been being shown in that manner from the current platforms that we have. So for me, it was super intriguing listening to people here in St. Louis, Missouri, ask question after question after question about Alcorn State University. The current quarterback that we have at Alcorn State University, which is Tyler Macon, he knew about Alcorn because he watched the feed of the Jackson State Alcorn game and saw it on well-off media and said, because when I asked him, I said, hey, have you ever thought about going to Alcorn? He said, I didn't until you showed me the feed from the game. And then next thing you know, he uh, lives in the Riverview Circle area here, Mr. Evans and AD, you're familiar. And his parents drove down and the coaches drove up on a Wednesday. He was there on a Friday. And the next thing you know, we got a, we got a grad, I'm not a grad transfer. We have a transfer portal guy from a power five, East St. Louis high school graduate. And, and this is going to open up that pipeline for East St. Louis to, you know, they already sent a lot of kids to Alabama A&M, Jackson State. But now with Tyler's experience and he's, and he's expressing he's very happy at Alcorn and his parents are happy, this only utilizes the reach of the Black College Sports Network and platforms like this to enhance our ability to recruit better players, more academias, and allow these kids to actually have a opportunity to have the HBCU experience. All right. So now I'm going to ask the person who's currently working in public education, that being mm-hmm. Mr. J.B. Walker. Give us your thoughts on, on on this program, on it relating back to HBCUs, to the students that you deal with on a daily basis, and any other uh, way you want to spend it there, Jamie. Uh, thank you. Uh, this What you just said, Kelvin, has absolutely blown my mind because – that's exactly what I've been trying to preach for the last probably 10 years of my educational career um, it is that uh, the way to reach kids is to actually put them in action. Um, you've seen the rise of career academies, uh, things that go into the actual working space. Uh, and we've all gone to four year institutions and they are great. And we're always going to going to big those up. But at the same time, um, these kids understand technology and they understand promotion even more so than we do uh, yes. at a certain age. And what you just said about well-off media being the bridge between Alcorn <laughs> and and a player being in that area is absolutely um, you know great. It is it is phenomenal because we can take that same model um, and replicate it through these internships. But what has been the feedback um, from students about the program in general? Well, it's very intriguing. We rolled it out with a tight timeline. 
and kids are not in school. We actually have had to actually cut it off at July 31st as a deadline, which is tomorrow. We have 25 applicants really with no real reach and they found out about it and they had to submit audio samples, video samples. And when I say the things that they sent in, I had a kid that did, did a TikTok reel with a voiceover that was as good as or better than some of the things that I saw at Swag Media Day. So, and, and it got so good that the kids in Texas are like, hey, what about us? Because at first we were only going to focus around Alabama, Georgia, Virginia, Florida. But then Texas, I thought about it. I said, you know what? We got Texas Southern. We got Prairie View. Uh, we got these schools that are out there. And if there are kids that want to do this, now we're into capacity building. Now we have to now go and seek the resources that fund these types of opportunities. And as you know, what local business wouldn't want to put their kids up, put your logo on the chest and say, hey, I got a kid that's out covering HBCUs. The next question is, oh, what restaurant is that that's on your shirt? And it's like it's a natural advertising piece. Now I have a live in-person person that's going across multiple platforms. And I think that's the, the, the connecting dot, Jamie, that Well Off Media was able to connect. When I saw how many views and how many connected spaces this was in, I said, wow. And, and a lot of this I've seen up close when I talked with Coach Sanders about Barstools and the Barstools Campus Ambassador Program. And that's what actually kicked this idea into action. So now the goal moving forward is we'll have a BCSN Campus Ambassador at every HBCU that we cover. And now you got a situation where you got that content from the Greek show on the yard during the middle of the week to a live update from practice with Coach Fred and how's Tyler doing or how's the new wide receiver transfer from Rutgers, how's everything going. That's going to be, to me, that's going to be what's going to be the separator and actually helps us transition even further into the marketplace. How receptive have the schools been in embracing these, these interns as far as content is concerned? I know sometimes coaches um, and, and even bands or, or just organizations around the school – um, to a degree, depending on their style, can be, you know, a little secretive. But how have the schools and organizations been receptive to this so far? From the SWAT commissioner to every coach that we talked to, because Dr. Keisha Tolbert was there at SWAC Media Days to be able to meet to meet these people. And it was so intriguing. Every head coach took a picture with her from T.C. Taylor to Maynard to Coach uh, Robinson. The SWAT commissioner was so excited. Everyone, it was so warming and so welcoming to the point that now Alabama State, kudos to Jason Capel and Cyrus Russ for being forward thinkers. They said, you know what, let's take it a step further. Let's host an esports tournament on our campus that brings these kids in here, and we're going to let these interns cover this action as if they were covering a Monday, a football game on a Saturday or, you know, a band contest. So that part, I, I, I get the part around, you know, a close-knit value of maybe some secretive pieces to it. But in terms of embracing the interns and the amount of exposure, but not only the exposure, giving the kid an opportunity to do something live and tangible yes. is what yes. makes it all the better. Absolutely, absolutely. And I, um, I know we got to go talk about some ball in a second, but just um, it, it, it's just been something I, 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 I preached in this educational space um, because our old school approach to these new school kids, um, I even talk about this with my own son, uh, who's, who's 12 years old. Um, you know, not the, the, the biggest athlete in the world, but he can take these tapes and start coding. I know absolutely nothing about coding. 
but he can take these things and start to promote himself and get followers on his own with nothing that I've done. So a program that embraces that on this level, on the collegiate level, and being able to absolutely work in concert with with our HBCUs and promote them even more can do nothing but help. Where do you see this program? Where do you envision this program going? And what is the next level for it? Well, and I'll just give a short snippet. I was actually in the same building with Mr. Edmonds when I was in college because I was an industrial tech engineering major. But my life dream as a kid was to be in what I'm sitting here talking in right now. And my dad was like, no, nah, that's not a that's not an option. Pick something tangible. So I said, I'll pick engineering, go to Alcorn. And then when I began to see the radio station, I used to walk past the radio station when I'm going to class. And then I saw what Mr. Evans was doing. And then I saw what Dean Barnes and Mr. Evans probably really probably doesn't know me from seeing me in passing. But we we've talked multiple times. But every time I come back home and I see he and Dean Barnes, like one of my life goals is to be the guy to say and another Braves first down. And just, <laughs> I was like, man, if, if, if it could just go there. But as far as where I see it going, I see it, it actually generating a revenue base because that's the other side of us. You just mentioned what your son said about the followers, the likes, all those things turn into monetization opportunities. So I could literally see this enhancing itself in a way that it would become solvent or self-sufficient in a way that when the, we put these campus ambassadors out there, the number of advertisers that would want to attach themselves to these ambassadors with the mass amount of purchasing power that our HBCU students and families have, literally I could see like, okay, Pepsi's going to say, we'll sponsor every last one of them with five grand or Coca-Cola. I want to be in next or your local car dealership or Mr. D's famous fried chicken out of, out mm -hmm. of uh, in Lorman, Mississippi, you know, or Patton's store or your local, you know, I could just, it's the endless and limitless possibilities of what we can do in this career readiness education space across the nation. And now the story becomes, I think, man, mom, I want to go to fam. I just saw somebody that looks just like me. I, can I get there? Can I at least go for a visit? I just saw the AU center. I just saw Clark Atlanta, mom. I didn't even know it was like that. So I did, I just think it gives us a real world perspective from real people that make this actually work. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yes, sir. I, I, hey, uh, I, I have one suggestion. You're in St. Louis. You're in my hometown. And I don't know if you can make this happen or not. But, you know, St. Louis had a college, black college football classic, the Gateway yep. Classic. Yes, sir. And I thought that was a heck of an opportunity for many years. We were in it twice. Yes. It went away. I think that, I think that's, a, I don't know if it's gone for good or if it's gone for right now, but, but, whatever I can do on this end, and I know you're there, what can we do to get that game back? Because I think that's another opportunity, you know, for perhaps, you know, drawing people to HBCUs, especially in St. Louis and the Midwest. Well, I think what we have. You, you know, that's funny. Hold on. I was going to say, that's that, that's funny that you bring that up, uh, Charles, because that's actually how Kelvin and I met one, once upon a time. Uh my, my late sister, Cora Faith Walker, who was a former Missouri State uh, legislator, obviously uh, knew Kelvin, knew that was one of the passions that Kelvin had, and said, hey, you need to meet my brother, because my brother is into it from his HBCU side. And that's that's one of the first conversations that Kelvin and I had what uh, do, during the pandemic, maybe post-pandemic, yep. 
Because right my sister and I, who, who, who was working at, at the time of death working for St. Louis County, we, we were quietly working on, on the plan to put it together. But then the pandemic came and a few other things, and we never got it back, uh, pulled it back off the shelf. Then, unfortunately, she passed last year, so we never got the opportunity to pull it off the shelf. But that was one of the things uh, Kelvin, myself, and a few other people along with my sister, where it, where it talks about bringing it back together and doing it right. Because yeah. there's been two attempts at doing something the last couple of years. I don't know what the hell they was doing, no. but it didn't get done. Well, yeah. what we have is there's a group that's put together here that's collectively working on it. We've been blessed here in St. Louis through leadership to say they want to do more things to engage the black community. And in talking with Enterprise Car Rental, who now who started the soccer team, we now have two venues that are really good. We have the Edward Jones Dome that's inside, but we have a brand new state-of-the-art soccer facility. Yes. That's amazing. And the thoughts around it was you bring both teams in, we play in the new soccer stadium, which is really, you know, the, the configuration can be redone for football. And it's, it's been really uh, – I talked with the SID from Arkansas Pine Bluff, and they're going to make another run at it. And this time I believe it's going to happen because the sports commission has gotten involved and when these sports commissions in towns like Detroit, St. Louis, and Chicago get involved and say they want to do something, that's when all of the resources from the mayor's office to all these things get put in play to help those things happen. And, Charles, what's so interesting is most people don't know that the first Gateway Classic was played in Bush Stadium. Yeah. And that's when we came and we played Howard at Bush Stadium. And Jay Walker and I actually were having that conversation. But it's so intriguing because Steve was a the quarterback then, and it was like – that's the reason why I actually moved to St. Louis. Although I hadn't seen any more than the Millennium Hotel downtown. <laughs> yeah. I said, I think I want to move here. So, again, look at that exposure activity for up to 700 young people between the bands, football teams, and all staff included. They get a chance to leave their respective campus and travel in. However, Mr. Evans, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a little push on the classic theory, right? Is the value of the classic now diminished in the component around giving up that quote unquote home game? Or are you working with a dual capacity incubator and saying, if we take this on the road, we can kind of, we use this as a multi-tiered approach to recruiting and enhancing the university experience. Because as we all know, what makes everything go is what you're seeing behind me on the screen is people in your stands, in your seats. How does that translate and what are you giving What's the yin and yang of a gateway classic or a, a, a you know a Midwest explosion versus us giving away a, a home game in that in that respect? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean that that that's you know I know that's a whole nother show, another topic. Mm-hmm. You know, e- e- even what we're you know I can say this: All Corn is has a contract in place to be in the 2024 Orange Blossom Classic, and it ha- a decision hasn't been made. But that's a conversation. If Jackson State is you know we don't know if Jackson's committed to 24 or not but that that will be our home game with Jackson State that's a whole other conversation but you're right in terms of these classics are you willing to give up a home game I think what you're seeing now is that schools are saying uh, I don't know I don't think we're going to do that so to your point I think back then in the 90s when it was Air versus Sky Air McNair versus Skywalker it was great but now it's a little bit different conversation different dynamics that are involved so it's it's a whole nother show and a whole nother debate to talk about. Yeah, and that's and that's the part and about, about like, hold up. I was gonna say to my dollars, Charles, 
Jackson State is under contract to 25. Don't know how the contracts got off of one team was shorter than the other, but Jackson State would be under contract for t- till 25. Right. And yeah. I think we would play to we, we technically would replace if if, if I'm FAMU. we would replace FAMU. Which right. and, and, and I will say this, I think this might actually which show something that Charles and Jamie and AD, I think we're all familiar with it. That was a little of the discrepancy around the quote unquote capital city classic. Right. It just so happens that the game was in Jackson. Right. And it always mm-hmm. made it feel like you're getting the double advantage of it being basically a home game for you. Now, ask me if I take over, if I take Jackson State and Alcorn to the Orange Blossom, you're talking about a crowd. You're talking about a whole scenario. However, then, we now have to study where do we stand as a people on the recent antics of what's going on with regards to education, the Alpha Phi Alpha my fraternity pulling out of Florida from a convention perspective. Um, those are certain things also, too, that are we going to take a stand in certain spaces and say, Man, you know what, our Alcorn and Jackson State dollars are going to stay right between our respective campuses. Our Orange Blossom Classic, respectfully, we're going to not come until some of this policy and the way you're treating our people inside of your state, you know, until somebody gets a hold or rein around that. It's a good point. Yeah. It's a great point. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Any, any, uh, any last comments on the, uh, on the stride K-12 partnership with the Black College Sports Network before we switch over to uh, SWAC football, Kelvin? No, we're, we're, it's awesome. And I, and I look forward, Jamie, we can get together offline and talking about the curricular component that we're using at AD and Roy put together. And Charles, it would be also awesome to have you as, as, a, as an advisor with this as well, because we're going to have an audio component of it to where we have the radio and radio and, and a kid might say, you know what, I want to broadcast this over oh, as an audio component and show this and show the power of radio. Um, I think the majority of Cardinal fans that are for a long distance came about because of the radio broadcast early on of the St. Louis Cardinals fans, because you got Cardinals fans all the way from Iowa down into Arkansas. And I, for the longest time, I had no, no idea why until the older gentleman said it's because the radio feed before the television is how all these fans became enamored with the St. Louis Cardinals. So that that's another reach space, but no, we're just elated that black college sports network and, and K-12 career, uh, career and college prep are partnered together to provide this great opportunity for our students. And we look forward to its growth and development over the next five to 10 years. Now let's talk about Tyler Macon and Alcorn State University Braves. Number one, number one, number one finisher, you know, uh, celebration bowl champ. We're just going to do a little uh, affirmations before we, you know, get started there, AD. You know, I, I, I thought I was supposed to be the one doing the transitions. <laughs> I heard the story about Tyler making it and how we got to Alcorn, and, and Kelvin just added another piece to it that I can talk about in terms of, you know, our quarterback coach made a trip to the to the Midwest, and I, that's all I heard. But the other stuff that you talked about, I didn't, I had no idea. Oh my God! When as soon as he entered the portal, it's a unique. It's actually a really unique story. Brady Cook is that was is from Chaminade Preparatory School, where Jason Tatum and Bradley Beal both went. Macon is from East St. Louis High School, which is the equivalent of a Murrah, Callaway type deal, if you're familiar with Mississippi or any inner city school. So he shows up at Mizzou with the good with the other kid. Well, the other kid had a deeper connection in terms of NIL and the NIL people were pushing for the cook. He decides to jump portal. I saw it come up and I was like, you know what? 
I think he fits because based upon what I saw last year, I said, I think he fits because I watched his whole high school career at East St. Louis and kudos to East St. Louis. I'll tell you, we got to get coach Darren Sunkett on this show because he's one of the best high school football coaches that I've seen. And he really, he brought like a, a, a legacy of what swag football looks like in the South to the Midwest at the high school level. He has a classic over there, Charles, that puts, 15,000 to 20,000 butts in the seats for a high school football game for, for the, the classic that he has over there, which is high school football. And also they traveled and played at Madison Ridgeland Academy in Jackson, Mississippi, which because he's an Under Armour coach, if all the connections are there, he coaches in the UA Under Armour All-Star game. He brings his team to Jackson to play IMG and it all kind of rolls itself in. Wow. Great stuff. Great stuff. All right. Uh, can we talk about something besides Alcorn? You know, I, I said <laughs> I'm sorry. careful we, when we, I invited <laughs> two Alcorn people uh, on the show. Yeah. Uh, we used to two black people here. Not two braves. <laughs> uh, uh, and I'll start with you, Jamie, since, the, since those two take it up all the airways. Uh, <laughs> you, you were at home uh, – for, for Swag Media Day, unfortunately, uh, you had, you had to work. At work, <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. at work for uh, Swag Media Day. Yeah, just give me your general thoughts of what you what you were able to see from not being there about Swag Media Day, not being there in person. Um, I I, I love the way that um that there was some innovation within what they did. I've gone the last few years. Um, hated I missed it this year. But them changing up the format just a little bit, them um, having other, um, you know, streaming going on at the same time with their own digital network uh, and, and just the kind of the buzz around the changes in coaching. Uh, you know, everyone was kind of curious to see what it would look like um, post, you know, Coach Prime. And I think it turned um, into a phenomenal event where it talked about the football within it. There's a lot of intrigue. Uh, within the conference this year just because of uh, what it's going to look like. Um, I think a lot of coaches, and, and rightfully so, um, feel that they have their opportunity to kind of get back in it. Uh, I think just based on what the media day looked like, it was still a, a star-studded event when it came to just the, the, the people with the boots on the ground of HBCU media being in place. Uh, and, and so um, I love to see it, man, just the different perspectives, the coaches, um, the characters, everything that's involved in what the SWAC does uh, was on display at SWAC Media Day. And I, I got to give him his props. Dr. Charles McClellan being a a, a little more than gracious um, ambassador for the conference, even more so braggadocious, uh, if that, for lack of a better term. He talked about his conference and what they're doing media-wise. And I think that's very important, especially to those ears that are oftentimes talking about media and what the conference is doing and things of that nature and words he's used before and, and stuff like that. And I think he went a long way, regardless of whether or not you you know liked it or whatever, he went a long way to talk about and promote the Southwestern Athletic Conference and what they're doing innovation-wise. And, you know, at the end of the day, hey – I love to see it. You got to love to see it because ultimately, you know, he is at the forefront of what they do. 
And I think the conference was on display uh, for their football. And we want to see as fans and as HBCU media what this conference is going to be going forward and what's the next ascension of the conference going forward. So I think Media Day went a long way to actually put that uh, put that at the forefront. All right. Charles, you, you were there. You were in a different room than I was. You was in, in, in Radio Row. I, I, I saw you when everything started. I didn't see you again for the rest of, rest of the day. I don't even know what you're talking about, <laughs> about it, my brother. <laughs> so tell us about uh, Radio Row. Um, well, but as you mentioned, you know the the way this is set up, uh, it's set up in different areas. So you have Radio Row in one room, virtual interviews in another room, um, SWAC Digital Network, that's the SWAC's online platform in one room, ESPN Plus in one room, and then you had the podium, that's where Jay and Tiffany were. So you had to kind of usher the coaches and players amongst those different areas and try to get all those folks to interview with all those different platforms and that it's, it's a challenge, but I think, you know, everybody does a good job in trying to get folks to where they need to be. And I, and I thought overall, I thought the swag did a really good job. My question, I said it six months ago, will there be as many media people this year as there was the last couple of years? I think we can say, no, there wasn't, but the commissioner, you know, in my opinion, the commissioner said there was more media requests for media day this year than there was last year. So that's good to see. So that means that as other people, Carlos Brown and others have said, you know, the SWAC's not going to miss a beat despite what we don't have. And that's fine. Um, but I, I thought media day overall was really good. And I want to give kudos to the SWAC office. I don't know how many people, and I've said this on different platforms before, the SWAC office is comprised of about a dozen people including the commissioner. There may be 13, maybe 14 at the most. So when you think about an organization like the SWAC, there's not that many people working in the SWAC office. But when you see what they do, it seems like it's a lot of people working for the SWAC office because of the job that they do. So I want to give Andrew Roberts, Commissioner McClellan, uh, up and down the line, everyone in that office, and they're all on display for these championships, media day. Anytime the SWAC's on display, the whole office is there. The whole organization is there. So they do a really, really uh, nice job. Um, as, as far as the storylines, man, I'm telling you, it's, it's going to be an interesting year because you have so much uncertainty with new head coaches. You have a lot of uncertainty in terms of quarterbacks. And as Jamie Walker said last year, quarterback mm-hmm. continuity is going to be the key. He said it last year, and it's going to be the case again this year. New quarterback at all, Corn Tyler Macon, who signed an NIL deal, by the way with our collective, the 1871 collective, as well as, you know, other teams breaking in new quarterbacks. So it's going to be an intriguing year to see, you know, who's going to come out. Jackson State obviously has lost a lot. T.C. Taylor coming in, and I'm, I'm so happy for him because every time a coaching change happened at Jackson State, the first name you heard was T.C. Taylor. He should have been the head coach years ago, I think. But he's got that opportunity. But he's lost a lot. Shiloh's gone. Shadour is gone. So a lot of the defensive players are gone. So we'll see, can they defend their championship? We'll see if FAMU can finally break through. So these are just the, you know, one of many storylines that makes this year's media day, you know, that much more exciting, that much more frustrating, and gives us a lot more to talk about. Kelvin, your first SWAC media day. What were your impressions of the first time, uh, your first time being in, in that space? 
Uh, well, kudos to the SWAC office, and and I knew they had limited staff. Um, they they did such an amazing job. The setup, I think, was really neat, um, and potentially, I do think that there's an opportunity there for like an internship type deal where you can, if you got some high local high school athletes and students that are in the area, you bring them in and you work them through the process of saying, hey, okay. Here's a list of how the coaches are to be guided when they come off one podium. You take them here and guide them around. Because yes. I saw a couple of SIDs struggling a little bit with like the scheduling component. And there's some, like I said, there's some tech, technological pieces there, everything from a Google sheet to whatever, to just get these kids engaged and show them like, hey, here's a the, here's event planning at its at its best. Because when we showed up um, on that Monday. It was actually awesome for me to see the ESPN stage being built and then to see our, to even put up our space. And from someone that's always seen the space, I was like, wow, this is actually incredible. And I didn't know how they were going to pull it off. I didn't know how any of this would sound and or look. But when I say it was top notch, it was top notch. And it was also great to have a conversation with T.C. Taylor. I believe this is my opinion. I believe they're stronger. Jackson State is stronger this year than they were last year. And I'm going to be honest with you. I got that insight actually from the Alcorn State University running back, Agent Zero, who also has the NIL with the 1871 Collective. Yes. Kudos, shout outs to that group. And he told me that the, the, the quarterback from Canton, Mississippi, that was also at Syracuse with him, is going to be – it's going to it's highly expected they'll be the starting guy for Jackson State. And he said you can't underestimate him because – they, they actually reloaded with more of the types of players that I believe that TC is, is comfortable with. And I'll say kudos to TC Taylor. I believe it was all in the right timing. I would have not wanted to see him get the job at, but after the last coach that they had. I think this was the perfect table set because if you look at everything that's happened from the guard the yard show that just came out with UA sticking around. I don't really, I mean, you cannot, I don't think you could generate the type of accessibility to partnerships and partners. And they stayed. That was the testimony to the HBC. UA stayed. Michael Strahan's partnership stayed. The new practice field stayed. All of the amenities. And now TC, TC got a better leg up. It's almost a similar situation when Fred took over for Jay Hobson. You know, you can complain all you want about the hire uh, or be happy about it. Jay Hobson did an amazing job getting ready to tra- any transition on the USM. Fred steps in. We've had a little turmoil and controversy there, you know, in terms of how the administrative component has worked. But with all things being even, I think TC's walked into a real good situation. And I think the only advantage that we hold on them is I believe we, we owe them some payback. And I think we're going to get it in Jackson, Mississippi. And uh, <laughs> be there. Be- be there or be square. I think we'll be in the celebration bowl. <laughs> well, I might have to go that, to the soul bowl. Since you said <laughs> that, Kelvin, give me your top three in the east and top three in the west. Order finish. Uh, okay. Um, start yeah, with I'll, three. Top three? Yeah, start with – go what? Three, two, one. Yeah. Three, two, one. Yeah, I don't. I don't have the divisions right in front of me, but I, I got all. I got Alcorn and Jackson State, and it's going to be interesting because that means that we Alcorn and Jackson State would play twice. Twice, you know, they would play in the season, and then that game actually would mean that whoever wins hosts the championship. Possibly. So I got Jackson, 
well, I got FAMU, Jackson State, and then underneath us, I have more than likely Texas Southern. Mm, interesting. And only because I believe that the QB at Texas Southern, all things being equal, uh, he's the great equalizer. So you got Prairie View, then him. I think he's the equalizer. I think they had enough last year to do a whole lot. And I think another year that he he's I really like watching him play. Uh, Texas Southern, one of three and a half teams that have a returning starting quarterback. I say half a team. I'm going to tell you about the half team in a moment. Obviously, we know we got Texas Southern's quarterback is back. Prairie View's quarterback is back. Uh, uh, Fairview's quarterback is back. Uh, offensive preseason offensive player of the year. But Alabama State, D. Davis is back at Alabama State. But remember, he didn't start all of the season for Alabama State as their quarterback went over to – other quarterback went over to Grambling, I believe. Grambling, yes. Yes. So, D. Davis, injury slash performance, uh, found him splitting time as a starting quarterback. So, we got three of the possible, if we're talking this phase term, as far as returning quarterbacks there in, in, in the swap. So, you know, you always have to factor that in veteran signal callers, especially – in this conference. Uh, Charles Edmund, who, who you got coming out, East, West? Um, I'll start with the East. Uh, I'll start with 3-2-1. I was really impressed with Eddie Robinson Jr. in Alabama State. They won the MEAC SWAC last year, and they won a really big game late in the season at Texas Southern, in which they were down 13-0. They rallied and won that game, knocked Texas Southern basically out of the shot to win the division. If you remember in the West, in one weekend, you had four teams that had a crack at the West. Alcorn, Texas Southern, Prairie View, and Southern. And Alabama State, you know, came back and beat Texas Southern. I was impressed with Eddie Robinson Jr. in that in that situation. Dr. Jason Cable, who's an Alconite, by the way, uh, has done a great job at Alabama State. And that was a good hire. So I, I have Bama State at three. Um, I have a lot of respect for T.C. Taylor. I'm glad he got the gig. But I th- and even though what, what, what Kelvin said and others, hey, they're just reloading. I think they lost a lot, and I think it's going to take a little time, the continuity piece. I don't think Jackson's going to get there. Um, and I got my buddy Willie Simmons, who, by the way, loves flaming hot sunflower seeds. I got gave him two bags at media day. There's pictures out there and video of it to prove it. He's <laughs> my guy, offensive coordinator at Alcorn, came in with Jay Hobson. Um, and so I have, I have FAMU winning the East. In the West, you know, you talked about Texas Southern. You know, I talked with uh, Coach uh, McKinney, the head coach there, and he talked about Andrew Body, And he said in his first two years, Andrew Body thought he was the man, meaning putting the team on his shoulders. But this year he hopes that he's just a man, meaning one piece, and you've got a defense behind him. You Grambling uh, hired Everett Todd. Uh, Everett Todd was at Grambling as defensive coordinator. He's now Texas Southern, a really good D.C. there. So I think Texas Southern's defense is improved. I think body is improved. That offense is improved, but not quite at the level of the next two. I have Southern uh, finishing second. We all know Coach Dooley. We all know what he can do. We all know what he did at Prairie View. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk about his attire at Media Day. That's got the social media rounds. I'm not a fashion plate. I'm not a fashion expert. I thought he looked fine, but other people thought up differently. 
But Dooley's going to bring the flash. But now, as fans have said, he's got to bring the wins, and he's got to get to Atlanta. <laughs> um, you got Harold Blood at quarterback. From what we've heard on Carlos Brown's show, we believe Harold Blood will be the starter against Bama State. If he can get it done, that defense was really good at the end, winning the Bayou Classic. I mean, they, they created havoc. Their defense is really good. But I got to give it to my Braves. You talk about Tyler Macon, Fred McNair's chomping at the bit. Braves fans are chomping at the bit. They are not happy. We won six straight division titles. The last two years haven't been all that good. And our fans are giddy. They're anxious. They're upset. But they're excited to see this Braves defense in which they ended the year well against Jackson. Can they pick up where they left off? It's going to have to be against USM. It's going to have to be against McNeese. It's going to have to be against Steven at the start. It's going to be a challenge. But if we can get good quarterback play and agent zero, 250 carries last year, way too many, way too many. We got to get others involved. So if we spread the wealth, agent zero does his thing. Tyler Maker gets off to a good start. I think we'll be there at the end. So I have my Braves winning the West, and I have my Braves going back to Atlanta. Jamie. Ooh, 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 ooh. my turn. Okay. Uh, I'm going to start in the East. Uh, I am going to go with, as far as my third-place team, uh, I'm going to pick two teams really out of of both sides um, that have not been mentioned. Uh, I think Alabama State is great, but I also believe that Alabama A&M is not getting enough credit. Uh, I think if they can get better quarterback play, they have the running game that can carry this squad. And I think if the play calling can kind of settle down what the QB position – what's that? Even with Ibrahim going to Southern? Yes, yes. I still think they can can run the football with England. So I think think you have an opportunity – um to to be able to come back um after a couple of years of just being off if they can secure that quarterback room i think they would be just fine because you got to consider they brought in a bunch of transfers the year before those have to gel and you know this has to be you know connell mayner's uh finest hour because i think with the talent that they have infused this is the the two years after um uh ah um What's the quarterback? It slips my yes, yes, you know, but um, after Akil Glass, you finally have to get everything in line, and I think that defense will come to play as well. Um, second, I'm gonna say Fam, you. Uh, I'm not sure who Jeremy Musa is throwing the ball to, and so many of his passes (laughs) went to Xavier Smith. So I want to see what his development is going to be like. Um, going to another receiver, even though they had a full complement of receivers, he just relied on X, which is which I understand. Phenomenal receiver, but I want to see what that looks like. I also want to see what the running game is going to look like and how that'll be um, played. And my number one in the East is Jackson State. And the reason I say that is because they have a huge, huge chip on their shoulder. Yes, sir. When you talk to that fan base and when you talk to people around, um, they have – arguably the number one or number two recruiting class in the FCS. They've recruited well. The players they've they've retained are coming in with a new attitude, a renewed attitude. When you talked about, and, and you know, me and somebody went back and forth about who the next coach would be once we found out um, that Coach Sanders was not coming back, I said it would be someone on the staff, and I always thought it would be T.C. Taylor because 
it says something about a coach that went to that school that genuinely loves that school. If you look at what T.C. Taylor has been through when it comes to that school, being demoted, um, in a sense, uh, last year, coming back and still wanting to be. This is his dream job. Along with that, I've seen what he's able to do with offenses, even though he won't be. Maurice Harris is the offensive coordinator. He's coached in the MEAC. He knows what it takes to operate against those schools. Look at that staff and who it's comprised of. I'm telling you, I think Jackson State pulls off what a lot of people don't think they will do. So that's who I think will win the East. Um, as far as the West is concerned, I'm going to bring another dark horse here. Miles Crawley is the quarterback at Grambling State University. I loved what he was able to do at Alabama State because I think he brought a passing element that wasn't necessarily taken taken advantage of at Alabama State. I know D. Davis was supposed to be the person that came and saved what they were doing, but Crawley played well. I think they were a quarterback away last year, and I think if they, they have some speed on the outside along with the running game, I think if you – and that defense is coming to play. One of the best defensive lines in the SWAC, and I think Sonyada Anderson, although you know people may have disagreed with him being picked as the as the the preseason defensive player of the year, I think he will come to play. And I think Grambling is a sleeper in that third place spot. My second place, hey, I'm gonna go with Texas Southern. Um, Texas Southern Andrew Body, I've seen his body of work. Uh, I've seen what he's been able to do. Uh, I think if they are able to just kind of secure what he does um, just on from an offensive standpoint and not make him the absolute focal point, but if he can win you a game at the end, let him let him cook, then do it. But I think if you can get an overall team effort and the def defense played pretty well last year, the offense was sputtered. I saw what they did against Southern last year in shutting them out. You can see what they're able to do, and Andrew Body cooked as well. So I think, you know, they're they're primed to be in that second place spot. But I have to give the number one spot to who I think is arguably one of the, the best coach uh, in the swag in Fred McNair. Uh, Allcorn's going. Uh, Allcorn should win the West. Uh, I, Southern would be close. I need to see what blood, what Harold Blood's going to do because that rotating trio of quarterbacks and them finally selecting um, McDaniel at the end. I want to see what Southern's going to do. They could easily overtake. Um, they could easily get, ascend to number one. But I think Alcorn, if you have making that plays along with that running game, along with that defense, they are the number one team in the West, I believe, as well. All right. Smart man. And for, and for me, no, I, I'm going to be honest. I made y'all give you three, but we know in the East, it could really be any one of four teams that win in the East. The two Alabama schools, uh, Fairview and Jackson State. Would not shock you if any one of those four won in the East. But if I had to, but since, since I made you guys quantify, I am going to quantify it. I've got Jackson State coming in at three. Ooh. I, too, too many. Look, you lost six over sixty percent of your starters on both sides of the ball. You had over fifty players leave the program. I just don't think that that by the time Jackson State figures it out, 
I think they're just going to be too far down in the race. That's just my opinion, especially with this with the early schedule that they have with all those road games and neutral site games. I mean, they are home one time between August 26th and homecoming. One home game between week zero and homecoming. That's a lot to ask for a team to do. Now, they do have the caveat because we know they like to travel. When they play Alabama A&M on October 7th, Although that game is in Mobile, Alabama, Jack, Jackson, Mississippi is actually closer than Huntsville is to Mobile. <laughs> Where Jackson is three about 3.15, 3.30, Huntsville is about 5.30 from Mobile. Although it's in the state of Alabama, it's, it's closer to a home game for Jackson State. But, you know, that's a lot to ask for a new team, new coach to come in with that many games away from the comforts of your own home. That's why I have Jackson State pick third. I've got Alabama State pick second. And I've got the Rattlers finishing first. But I do not have the Rattlers going undefeated. I do have the Rattlers going to Baton Rouge and not be and not be able to pull it off down in the bayou for the only blemish in the in the regular season. Now, flip it over to the flip it over to the West. Let's be real. Probably anybody but UAPB win, if anybody but UAPB wins the West, it would not shock anybody on this panel. Because I think that's that there is that much parity in the West. Everybody has its good spots. Everybody is flawed in, in the West and everybody has a lot of questions that they have to be answered. But yeah, so my top three, I'm going to give you my top three. Coming in at number three is Preview. Coming in at number two is the Defending West Champions, Southern. And I've got the Braves coming in at number one. A couple of things. When y'all quiet, y'all dangerous. I, I I will say that. And I said this on Swack Media Day. I will reemphasize this. Alcorn has been playing to a disadvantage for the last two years, having to pay back all those games from the COVID year. From out and out, they, yeah. They finally have a full home schedule where everyone has to come to the reservation who's scheduled to come to the reservation. I think the fans will be normal. Heck, it's been what, like four years since you guys played Southern mm-hmm. at home? Yep. Something ridiculous like that because of of all the stuff. So I'll having that Southern <clears throat> so, so having that Southern game at home, man, I, I, I wish I could be there for that. That's all that's all I'm go, I'm going to say. But to actually have the luxury of knowing we get to play our full allotment of five home games. I mean, here, you only had two home games in 20, what was it, 2021? You know, 2022, you only had two home games, whatever year it was. I mean, that, that's that's ridiculous. We do we do y'all go compete with two home games. So I have Alcorn State, and you talk about championship pedigree. Alcorn State has that championship pedigree. So 
But I don't know if Alcorn is going to be coming in at seven and one or five and three because of the West <laughs> is just that it, it, it's just that crazy in the West. Shoot, it, you could have Alcorn coming in at four and four and, and being and being a representative. It's just that wild in the West. So uh, we'll just we'll just leave it at that. And uh, PZ, I was talking about conference home games. They only had two conference home games. I see that you put that out there. Uh, that they had three home games in 2021. Uh, gentlemen, we are way over our time, so we're going to go around and let everybody get their get their parting shots. We're going to save our interview with Dr. McClellan for another show. It may be on the Sports Wrap. It may be on one of our other podcast platforms inside the HBC Sports Lab. The, Carl, the Carlos Brown show, the ONG Strike Zone. It may be on any one of those, but we will play that interview with Dr. McClellan from SWAC Media Day at some point in time this week. So we're going to start off with our party shots. Kelvin, I'm going to let you go first. Well, again, thanks to Jamie and Charles and AD, and thanks to Roy and Ben and Brian to the Black College Sports Network, you know, K 12 career, college prep and just launching this wonderful internship program that is only going to get better over the years. And I look forward to seeing everybody in Atlanta for the MEAC SWAC Challenge. It's going to be a heck of a day for SWAC football, Jackson State versus South Carolina State. And K-12 and our partners will be there along with BCSN. And hopefully we'll all get together, have a wonderful time, and understanding that this is for the uplifting and betterment of our institutions. Charles Edmund. You know, I've been a part of this conference since 1986. And I, as a student at Grambling State University, I can't remember a time in which this conference is, is such on the up and up with the addition of FAMU and Bethune and with all the storylines. I can't remember a better time to, to be a part of the SWAC. This is a great time. Embrace it, enjoy it, support it, live it, be a part of it. Jamie Walker. Wow, man. We are 27 days away from HBCU football. Um, and the anticipation is thick in the air. Uh, I'm ready for it all. Ready for it all. Um, embrace it, like like Charles said. Um, not, in, not just in the swag, but just in, in the entire landscape of HBCU football, man. I'm, I'm ready. Pumped up for it. All right. And my part of shot is, hey, Make, make sure you guys pay attention to the Black College Sports Network. You saw we broke some news here on the, on the Black College Sports Network. Uh, John Grant broke some news. I want to thank him for joining us today and breaking that news and just talking about the band, the 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 band of the year championship. I got I got to make sure I get I got to get my my words correct with that. The band of the year and the Miac Swag Challenge and the Cricket Celebration Bowl. Want to thank him for uh, joining us and talking about that. Want to let you guys know we're also going to be dropping a new podcast that will be focused on SIAC football this year. Make sure you stay tuned to the Black College Sports <laughs> Network so that you're done. It's going to be on Monday nights, started in a couple of weeks. So if you if, if you are SIAC head like I am, you know I write for D2Football.com and cover the SIAC. So what better way to do it than to take what I put on paper and bring, and bring it to video and podcast for 
Uh, Kelvin, did you want to mention your podcast that you guys are going to be coming up with? Yeah, we're working. Uh, Charles, you'll be happy to know this, working with the uh, 1871 Collective and talking about a Braves all-access uh, show. And so we're working with those guys to kind of solidify what that'll look like. But I think it'll be great to have Braves All Access as well as the 1871 uh, Collective here for about, you know, 30, 45 minute show. And I think it could only add to the depth of the fact that we're one of only two other HBCUs, two HBCUs that have a collective. So kudos out to the leadership of the 1871 Collective and what they're able to do for these young men and young women at Alcorn State University. And also kudos to the Braves All Access Group for all that they do for Alcorn State University sports and athletics and for the student body at Alcorn. So more dimes dropping on the Black College Sports Network. There's only one place that you can get these dimes here. Right here. My BCSN and the number one on all social media platforms. My JBN online on YouTube. Hey, before you log off, make sure that you have hit that thumbs up button, like, subscribe. When, it, when this podcast ends, wait for it to process, then go share it with a friend. Go share it with the enemy. Go share it with somebody who you don't even know. I don't care. I just want you to share the doggone thing and make sure that we get it and we, and we, get, and we get our viewers up. We want to thank each and every one of you guys for joining us right here on the Black College Sports Network. Hopefully, my partner Brian will be back here on next Sunday. Uh, say, we wish traveling grace to Brian Fulford as he heads back to Atlanta and then back down to Orlando. Don't know who we're going to have coming up for you next week, but I guarantee you it's going to be hot and it's going to be heavy. So, once again, I want to thank John Grant for uh, coming and joining us today. Uh, special guest Kelvin Carter, Charles Edmund, Jamie Walker. I am A.D. Drew, and thank you guys for listening and joining us, and we'll see you in one week. Good night, everybody. Peace out. Travel light. But you know, you stay on hard.